What's going on, Drinking Buddies? Brand new one coming right at you. But real quick, you know what we got to do first. We got to pay the bills. So we got to have a quick word from our sponsors. Those fine folks that put some money in my pocket and bring you this show. First and foremost, we are brought to you by the video versions of a Now We Drink. That's right. Do you want to see a guest? you want to see my ugly mug? Well, there's only one way to do that. Go to www.anwd.net for the full video versions of the episodes. For 99 cents an episode or $6 a month, get you all 74 available episodes. Unlimited streaming for $6 a month. No ads, full HD. So check out what you've been missing at www.anwd.net slash videos. Once again, that's www.anwd.net slash videos. We are also brought to you this week by my Twitch stream. That's right, Drinking Buddies. Since the pandemic has started, I have been Twitch streaming my ass off, just playing video games, being kind of goofy on the internet, as I do. I stream every Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. I play a bunch of different games. Come hang out. We're doing a bunch of Among Us. If you don't know Among Us, it is a party game and it is social and it is ridiculous. So you get to watch me lie my ass off during Among Us. Generally, a little sauce. My my chat has really started to enjoy buying me shots on stream. So there are some games where I am half in the bag trying to talk my way through shit. Check that out today at twitch.tv slash Slayer. twitch.tv slash Slayer. On top of that, on top of that, because I use stream elements, we now have a merch store. Oh my God, that's right. Go to www.anwd.net slash merch for, and now we drink merch and gaming merch. Supports the hell out of me if you buy something. And if you want some custom designs, holler at me. Because I can just add designs at will. And also, be sure to check out the gaming content on the You Laugh, We Die YouTube. I know, there's so much happening right here. It's like, Jesus, Matt, how many things do you got going on? Well, a fucking lot. So check those all out. But be sure to check out the new merch store. And last but not least, we were brought to you by our friends at Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is the record of the month club. The best damn record of the month club. In fact, every month, Vinyl Me Please has one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection. And it comes packaged with things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, and it comes packaged with a 12 by 12 album-inspired art print and custom cocktail pairing recipe. That's right, drinking buddies. Awesome custom vinyl. New cocktail recipes and some art. Things you cannot beat. And Vinyl Me Please isn't like Record of the Month Clubs of old. It's month to month, no strings attached, cancel any time. So check that out today at www.joinvmp.com slash ANWD. Once again, that is www.joinvmp.com slash ANWD. On to the fun stuff, guys. My guest this week is adult performer Naughty Nala. Naughty is a fucking riot. She's only been in the industry a couple of years, but she has some big ideas. We talked about music. We talked about movies. We talked about art. Handful of, you know, classic Slayer stories in the mix. It was so much fun. And I cannot wait till the pandemic is over to actually have her in the studio. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy Drinking Buddies.
How the hell are you? I'm good. Really good. Hell yeah. Coming, <laughs> coming at us from your car? Yes. My Mini Cooper. Oh, look at you with the fancy import. <laughs> Cooper gang. Right. I wanted a Volvo, but um, I settled. Oh, no, you didn't settle. You just got the Cooper first. You'll get the Volvo later. You'll get two. You're, you're right. I like that. I like your thinking. Right, it ain't settling. Gets you from point A to point B. I'm sure there's enough space in that luxurious Mini Cooper to get some action <laughs> if you want to get some car action at some point. Oh, I, I love car sex, actually. One of my favorite things. Have you broken in the Cooper yet? I haven't. What? Sad. Oh, man, I didn't want to start this off on a down note. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's not, I've had, I've been having sex, but, um, not car sex. The opportunity in my car hasn't arisen. I, I did suck dick in the guy's car, like, maybe last week. Well, it's too many times to remember now. If you're going to be breaking in the interior, you got to make sure he's special. You got to let him know that, dude, you're special. You're the first one I'm having sex with in this car. <laughs> like, I don't just do this with anybody. Like, first time in this car. <laughs> We're breaking it in. Breaking it in. We're popping the car's cherry. Yes. Uh, I do. I need a pop its cherry. Exactly. Exactly. My yeah. Baby. If you make some content out of it, I'm sure people would be into it. Oh, yeah. I have, Okay, I did do solo content in my car. So it's the masturbation cherry's been popped. Just not with somebody else yet. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you got to wait till it really, it doesn't really count. Like, that's, you know, masturbation's just like, you know, it's masturbation. It's like no one's going around bragging that, like, I masturbated. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, so... Which is definitely not bragging. <laughs> which is crazy in 2020. It's crazy that people don't want to talk about it. Women really don't like to talk about it with each other. I know with my few friends I have, they won't talk about masturbating at all. And I'm open with it. I don't care. It helps me sleep at night. So right. I'm it, not having sex. <laughs> it helps release endorphins. It's good for you. And exactly. on the guy's end, we definitely all do it. Every last one of us. I know. And men are so awkward when you try to talk about it. They just don't want to open up about it. So you're right. It's 2020. I feel like people should talk about masturbation. Well, it's we are. <laughs> but it, we're, breaking out. we're breaking that in, too. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, <laughs> and like when I was coming up, when I was coming up, we didn't talk about it like it's kind of a form of toxic masculinity. We didn't talk about it because if you mm. had to jerk off, that means you couldn't get pussy. Ah, so telling okay. another dude wow. like, yeah, I'm going to rub one out. Like, oh, what? You're a bitch. You can't get laid. You got to rub one out. <laughs> like, and especially at that so age, Joe, especially at that age, Joe, you care about what your peers think. Yeah. So it's just easier not the to image. fucking talk about it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the situation is like I when I'm even with people, it's like no, I may still just rub one out at some point. Like, yo, <laughs> I'm in the mood. Uh, yeah. If I'm in the mood, she's not. Like, I may just go go into the bathroom, rub one out real quick. Or yeah, you know? I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I know that some people have an issue with it. But well, I don't know. 
I thankfully haven't been with anyone who has an issue with it, but I could definitely see someone being <laughs> like jealous, especially if like they fire up some porn and are like rubbing one out while their partner's in the next room. I could definitely see some partners that like have self-esteem issues or you know some insecurities being like, what the fuck? Why are you looking at someone else when you're rubbing one out? Yeah, because it makes you start to think, why are you with me? That happens to a lot of people. I don't know. I feel a lot of sexual hangups are because people are unwilling to be vulnerable and voice their insecurities about things. Yes. It's communication because people are weird talking about sex, even in masturbation, let alone, but sex, even after you've had sex with somebody, sometimes they can't talk about it. You just had sex. I mean, you shouldn't be able to talk to each other, but, (laughs) but then people get all up in their head. Like, Oh my God, they, you know, it's a, it's especially as a dude, it's a weird thing because it's like it's put in our head to like if I have to ask you if you had a good time, that I come across as weak and insecure. Like, how did I not know if you had a good time? <laughs> that always is said for men, and I feel bad because I don't know. I think it should be a topic of discussion. There shouldn't be this anonymity about it. You know, just remove that cloth and. It wouldn't be insecurities anymore. Well, and on top of it, in my opinion, oh, I agree. I agree. And on top of it, wouldn't you want to tell me if I didn't do something right, or there's something I could be doing to making you feel better? Exactly. That's how I feel. And you know, maybe if there's nothing wrong, you don't have to talk about anything. So sometimes there's nothing to discuss. It was good enough, and it's over. (laughs) Well. I know, for example, like someone I hooked up with fairly recently, like she said beforehand, like, I prefer it when guys just go for it and don't ask for permission. I think, it, you know, it sucks when like, I'm like, okay, like this, this is the ground rules we're waiting around. And, you know, I slapped her during sex. I slapped her. <laughs> and she said nothing to me about it, but she complained to one of her girlfriends who got drunk at a party around me and her girlfriend's like, you know, got drunkenly mentioned it. And, I'm like, and next time we hooked up, I'm like, yo, was that not cool? Like you told me ask forgiveness or permission okay. and you didn't say yeah. anything. I was heat of the moment. It's not. Wow. And she's like, so yeah, I wasn't it's confusing. Yeah. And I'm like, you told me don't ask permission, just go for it. Like, and they felt like we were getting a little rough. So we've got a little rough and yeah. my bad. Like, I'm not trying to do anything that like violates your boundaries. <laughs> and like that's always awkward when it's like a new hookup or you know new, yes. a new partner oh yes because you don't know what that person's kinks are and i know for myself i really don't care so i, I mean you would slap me and no, fine you know but um some women are very particular about the things they'll do in the bedroom so i'm happy i'm not a man because <laughs> i don't have to deal with that <laughs> right but but tell me, after just tell I me. Started, after I started shooting porn, I realized a lot of girls don't swallow cum, even though they're in the industry. And I, I thought that was strange. Um, I don't know if it was just for some of them, maybe they were in relationships, so they didn't want to swallow those guys' loads, only the their boyfriends or their husbands. And that's fair. Um, but some women are just disgusted by it. You know, and just to me, it brings up the question of, are you in the right industry? But I know everybody has their own kinks. So there's some things I won't do that other people are like, why do you do porn? <laughs> so, 
So what it's sort of hard. stuff is, if you don't mind me asking, what sort of stuff is beyond your boundaries? The Well, okay. I mean, in my personal life, there's really not anything I won't do. But I don't shoot anal just because I want to know that I'm going to reap the benefits from this industry. You know, it's been three years and it's been hard. Some girls get signed to like great agents right away or they date somebody in the industry and, you know, things just work out for them right away. And there's other girls, most of us are kind of like me and we're independent and we end up falling more into content creators, even though we do shoot mainstream stuff as well. So it makes it harder for us. That climb can be difficult and I don't want to just shoot myself out. And that was a big thing that um, Chris Kane at Fox Modeling, when I was with him, he talked to me about that. He talked to me about girls just coming in and shooting everything they can. And that's one of the biggest downfalls that you can do to yourself. So I took heed of that. I'm not signed with him anymore, but you know, he's still one of my good friends in the industry. And I appreciated him being honest with me because that really did help. I mean, I had anal sex when I was in high school in the back of a car and I wasn't planning on it or anything. It happened. And, you know, I did it a few more times before I ever even turned 18. So it's not like so I have anything against it, but I got to know, was that first time planned <laughs> or was it just like heat in the moment? Not, not on my end, but looking at it now, I think it was planned on that guy's end. Oh, I really do. That's kind of shitty. If and it wasn't, I wouldn't have done it with him. I would have waited for somebody who I felt more comfortable with, but, um, you know, I'm not disparaged by it or anything. Um, and I'm actually happy I did it when I was young because I know I would be really curious about it now. And I probably would have shot anal in the industry and done exactly what I said I didn't want to do. So, um, it's okay now looking at it, but my, my asshole definitely hurt the day after. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> well, if it wasn't prepared but, i'm sure you weren't properly lubricated and like no and he tried to tell me we just need spit and some people are okay with that you know maybe it's sloppy enough at the time um but i i could have i could have used some preparation <laughs> if he would have bought me an anal plug first i totally would have wore it you know we could have he just doesn't like that, which is why I said I wouldn't have done it with him. But, uh, well, and that's happened a few times, you know, where there's things you, you know, you don't plan on doing with somebody, and it just <laughs> to me, it happens in the heat of the moment. So, well, and that's the problem with like young dudes, like, even the most confident young dude probably does not have the confidence to buy his girl a butt plug. Yep, right. yep. Because I, I remember, and, you know, like 17, 18, like, hell, feeling nervous buying condoms. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Buying condoms. Like, the idea of walking into a sex shop or, well, it is it is the, the future. Like, I grew I was a teenager in the 90s. So, buying shit on the internet to fucking get delivered to you was not really a thing. Oh, I never even thought about that, though. Like, you wow. had to walk into a place and physically buy shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't buy stuff online. So I didn't even think that kids would be buying sex toys on Amazon and shit right now. Oh, yeah. You know, I am in the wrong generation. I wish I didn't even have to have a cell phone. But it's like you can't operate, I guess, in America without one. 
Um, so God, I never would even think kids are buying. Wow. That's terrible. I have all my pages marked 18 and older because I was weirded out by that. I was weirded out that kids just have access to the internet and their parents don't watch them. And I don't have, you know, that's not my responsibility now. I did everything I could to make sure they couldn't see my stuff. So that's on the parents at this point. <laughs> 100%. 100%. As the industry, it's our job to make sure that like, hey, we're setting up all the safeguards we can. But hey, I know even back in the stone age, just oh. a fucking dial up. As a teenager, I was getting my hands on porn. Yeah, I know. I mean, I found magazines when I was young. My um, parents are very promiscuous and kinky. So are my grandparents. So um, I came from like a long line of freaky people and sex workers. So I ended up in the right profession. Hell yeah. But it was never anything hidden from us. They never made us like cover our eyes when there's like boobs and horror movies or anything. It was never like sex was a weird topic with them. So I know I probably was exposed to sex at a younger age than some people, but in my generation, I guess not now. Kids nowadays are just <laughs> Yeah. It, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. It's it's one of those things that makes me happy that I don't have kids because I don't know what fucking things I would instill in them in this day and age. Like I know I don't have children either, so <laughs> thumbs up to that. Whew. Thumbs up to that. Like, but I, I just don't know. I just don't know what to be like. Uh, don't look like. How do you? You know, pornography is not appropriate for minors. Yes, but it's not when it's like, oh hey, I make part of a living off of the adult entertainment industry. How do you explain to a child like this isn't for you yet? but it's not yeah it's like (laughs) yeah don't don't swear but i don't know what i would teach a kid i don't know like you know i had parents who if you you know drank it like oh yeah we prefer you don't drink but if you're gonna do it do it in the house like don't be out in the streets doing it that's how my parents were and that's why i always had fucking parties at my house so <laughs> that ended up making it wild as a teenager, but I did feel safer when I partied at my house because Albuquerque is bad for crying. Everybody shoots at each other out here. So I stopped going out late at night because of that. I didn't realize Albuquerque was that wild except for John Jones. <laughs> He's a great example of how everybody is in this city great example oh man i never want to get into a fender bender in albuquerque then get exchange information yeah. get head kicked it'd be bad it's really <laughs> bad it's really really bad you know people there's a four-year-old girl that was actually shot and killed in a road rage accident out here and um they passed they called it the lily garcia law and it has to do with road rage incidences out here because it's just it was getting out of hand for a long period of time really bad that's and horrible our car theft, we were number one in the world for grand theft auto for a long time so you don't you never think of albuquerque as like a you know hotbed of violence and crime <laughs> yeah it's it's it was funny because i'm not from here i went to so many different schools i'm a military brat so we just ended up here and when i was in high school 
out here. So many of the foreign exchange students chose Rio Rancho High, the high school I went to, because Brian Cranston walks out of it in the first episode of Breaking Bad. And I'm like, oh gosh, that's just the wrong message to deliver. But we do have a really bad drug problem and, and gang violence in the whole state of New Mexico. And we're the worst for, for childhood um, poverty. So there's a lot of things here that you realize, you know, it might be a beautiful state to look at, but they don't ever fix the crime out here ever since fucking Billy the Kid. The same. That's crazy. Um, I, I unfortunately have not really spent any time in New Mexico. I've like stopped over in Albuquerque when I drove from the Midwest to moving to the West Coast, but that's about the extent of my yeah. time in New Mexico. You don't want to stop here. Your car is going to get stolen. <laughs> I, I'm apparently I made it. I was fine. I drove through in the middle of the <laughs> night. Stopped at gas stations. Was fine. <laughs> yeah, it's just that was an ongoing joke for a long time. I think Bakersfield, California, passed us. Somebody passed us now, so we're not oh. number one anymore. Oh damn! Damn. The mayor's changing the city. He actually is a really good guy. So, and he's best friends with my doctor, which is strange. But it's how small the city is out here. There's a lot of people, but it's like three degrees of separation, not six degrees of separation. I feel like it's a, like a lot. It's like that a lot in a lot of the Southwest cities. Like Vegas is like that for being Vegas. If you're a Vegas local, like it's only a couple of degrees of separation from almost anybody. That is the only city I've ever been to that reminds me of Albuquerque is Vegas. It is very similar, in my opinion. But not everybody agrees with that. I just feel like it is because it's so small, but it's not. It's just like this weird... There's a city, but it's almost in the middle of nowhere. It's so crazy to me how both of them are, are similar. We just have more mountains and water so that's the only difference really and probably a few less casinos that's what we need out here i've always said that i don't understand why we don't have casinos out here i'm trying to change the lights on <laughs> it's so dark i was felt like that was gonna happen i was like the sun's gonna go down and it immediately gets dark out here out of nowhere Hopefully that helped a little bit. Oh, no, you're great. You're great. You're good on camera. Cool. <laughs> so do you plan to stay in New Mexico, or are you going to make the trip all the way out to LA or Vegas? Well, that's what I was doing for a long time until COVID hit. Um, I was actually in New York City uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, that is my best city. I don't know why, but it just has love for me. So... Um, I try to always go up into the New Jersey area. I know more producers out there. Um, I shot a lot with Freak Mob Media because we kind of came up together. We both were starting off when we first shot together. He had a completely different videographer, editing team. Everything was different. And, and now what he has become and what I've become, we feel like we, we kind of did it together. So I do like to go up there and shoot with them a lot. And I have a lot of photographers I love in, in LA, but I haven't traveled since COVID. So um, I'm trying to get 
back into the groove of things. It's been a little difficult, though. No, I totally get that. Hell, I barely leave my apartment. Like it's. <laughs> I see all I, these, I barely leave. I see all these people out on Instagram, like living life, and I'm like. You're the reason I can't leave my fucking apartment right now. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> like, That's how I feel. I've talked to other performers on the show about it, and like, I understand people got to eat, and I understand people got to work, especially the crews, because the crews have no real opportunity to make content. Like, the performers yep. can hustle and varying degrees mm-hmm. and still get by. If yes. you're a videographer or PA or a porn director who doesn't perform, you're shit out of luck right now. Yeah. And it's really hard. It's depressing. It's hard. It like I understand everyone needs to get back to work so people can survive. But I also feel like we may have gone back to it a little too quickly. That's how I feel. I I don't know. America never takes anything seriously though until it like really slaps them in the face so i'm not shocked with how it played out um but i'm still disappointed i was just hoping that by my birthday everything was supposed to open up in the end of july and i was like "Mm, okay they're well wishing there because i didn't expect it to and obviously it didn't happen the way they were planning well if everyone had gone with the plan it might have but I do believe it, it would have been different. We would have had less deaths, at least, and less cases. I just I don't know. We don't take shit seriously in America. Well, I'm not shocked. It's everyone like everyone's out for themselves. It... That's the idea of capitalism. So I wonder if it just breeds too much into our sense of self in America. Well, your thing has you have to push you it's whatever you're doing you don't care about other people around you yeah we're the you know land of the free so putting on a mask is <laughs> a violation of your freedom ah it's so i just don't get it i don't understand why somebody would risk it for themselves i don't care about any of the propaganda on either side i don't care about anything even to do with science just think about if you know all these people are sick around you, why don't you want to protect yourself? If you're selfish, protect yourself. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, the, the at problem, the end of the day, they're not even being selfish. The problem is everyone goes, oh, I've seen the science. Masks don't help. Like, okay, if masks do fucking nothing, if, the, <laughs> if that science is right and masks do fucking nothing, okay. Or maybe that science <laughs> is wrong and you're going to put on a piece of cloth why take the risk? Why like why Exactly. Why not just put it on and be like, "Oh, hey, if I'm right, I just have a stupid mask on. If I'm wrong, hey, I may have saved some other people's lives including my own." Exactly. Like I just that's the biggest thing to me is just thinking about each other. Don't you want to help especially the elderly and the young? I mean, they have the weaker immune systems and all of the people in my generation, particularly, I can tell just don't give a shit. No, they don't. Cause, no, no, I don't get it. Well, unfortunately, it was like marketed as like, oh, when this first hit, oh, it has the worst mortality rate. The mortality rate's weaker than the flu. It doesn't affect young people. Yeah. People are like, let's do it. Let's fuck it. Yeah. That was a big thing. It was, it was just pushed as. We wouldn't get it. We'd be fine. Right. We'd, um, we'd have a mild case. We'd be down for two weeks. I honestly, 
wish that like this had Ebola mortality rates because then people would have taken it seriously from the jump. Th- fucking two yes. people, two people flew in during Obama's administration, flew in from like the Congo with Ebola, and everyone freaked out. Two people, they freaked the yeah, fuck out. Exactly. Yep. And now we have just gosh, hundreds and thousands of people in this country alone dead. That is just insane to me. And to me, it's just staggering numbers. And people are like, oh, it's not that bad. How can you say that to those people who have lost family members because of it? Especially the doctors and nurses or teachers, people that were frontline workers that have died. I would absolutely hate Americans if I was in that situation. Like, I don't know how I'd get over that. Well, and you also add in like the essential workers that are working for minimum wage or barely over minimum wage, literally risking their lives yeah. for a wage that you can't live on. That's, that's how my sister felt. She was working at a, a cafe um, when everything, like, right, she got the job in November. So it was a few months before everything broke out and they never closed. They just kept going and she felt weird about being there. And you're paying me so little. And I'm not getting anything out of it. And my dad works for the post office. So um, he's a mail handler. He just sorts packages all day. And he was really worried in the beginning because we didn't know, obviously, how it was transferring to people. And now we know the surface transfer is pretty low. But um, he was super nervous because he can't stop working. And they closed all of the plants in the bigger cities around us. So he's doing, in in that one area, they're processing mail for like five different states. Holy shit. Absolutely insane. And they just closed down almost all the plants in the Southwest because of COVID. And they haven't reopened. And I know everybody has this whole scare, post office, all this and that. But it's like, they're working extra hard right now. And because people are shopping online more too. I mean, my dad's gotten crazy amount of overtime. It's insane. And they're not getting hazard pay and they're not taking care of these frontline workers or these essential workers, as everybody keeps saying it. They're not taking care of these people at all. Well, and that's been the biggest problem. We're not as a society taking care of the people that we need to fucking keep operating. Yeah. It's it- terrible. It was always evident that we didn't pay teachers enough. But it's really evident now because even if they don't want to go back to work, they don't have a choice. What what else are they going to do? Right. As a teacher, that is such a shit situation because generally teachers have pensions and like have tenure. If I was in your sister's situation, I would have gotten myself fired and collected the unemployment. Oh, yeah. She left. She left. She did. Oh, no. <laughs> She's moving to Massachusetts. So she completely left and was like, I'm changing my life around. So Well, and it's a great time. She has a full-time job out there now. It's a great time to do it if you can. Like, if you were in a job that you hated and you could get out of it, it's a great time to try to pursue whatever you want to try to do with life. Yes. I've always said that to people, like, right now. Because when I was 19 and decided to do porn, everybody thought I was fucking crazy. But um, now... Half the people that thought I was crazy are fucking escorting out here or they're doing their own business shit on Instagram. So, oh, uh, this is a, r- a rough time to be escorting. I can imagine demand is fucking high 
because there's so many people that are fucking just at home alone, lonely, and are just, hell, paying for more than the company than the orgasm. I've never been able to wrap my head around escorting because it just, I have anxiety anyways. So to do that just makes me too nervous. Um, but I don't sweat on any girls that do it. I know a lot of girls that make a shit ton of money on it and they're safe with it. But um, especially now with COVID, I would be way more anxious around the situation. So I, I just don't think I could do that. The couple of people I know who regularly escort, like when COVID hit, stuck to a short client list. Like reg- they had a handful of regulars and they were the only people that they were seeing. And That's smart. they were confident that they were literally the only people the regulars were seeing. Like mm-hmm. the regulars were business people that just were working from home and, you know, just were lonely. And they, yeah, and they probably care more about their health too. I know a lot of the girls I know that escort in New York City have high end clients. So they probably aren't as nervous. Um, I don't know why anybody would escort where I live. I would not risk it. <laughs> Supply and demand. Just- Supply and demand. <laughs> It really works for some people out here. So, like I said, I don't sweat on it, but my anxiety would be through the roof. Well, and that. it's just like doing porn isn't for everybody. Escorting is definitely not for everybody. Oh, yeah. Uh, most people would be more anxious about having a camera on them than just having sex with somebody in person. Well, but I don't know. It's something about... I feel safer with having the camera on me. I don't know. Well, and the, the thing about it is... like. Porn is a safer working environment because generally you know everyone you're working with or someone you know knows everyone you're working with. You're going on a set. You're not dealing with strangers. You're dealing with paperwork. The camera is essentially a witness if something goes wrong. Yeah. It's a much different. Hell, I know plenty of performers who went from being house girls to porn because they didn't like the hustle of it. They didn't like dealing with clientele. And a lot, yeah, it's a lot, especially putting on that fake smile and pretending you're interested in some dude that you know reeks of alcohol oh, yeah. and is just trying to stuff dollars in you. Like, because mm-hmm. even when I used to strip, a lot of girls would still um escort on the side with those guys, but it's just the environment I just couldn't get into. I've had a lot of people who try to get me into it, so you do like a called like a ride-along you know how you do that with ambulances and cops that's what it's like with escorting because they really will not take you on as a client on their client list if they don't know that they can get you work and if they don't know you're serious about it so you know a lot of girls will be like come on i'll get you in it and i'll go along with them try to see the house try to see what they do but i just never i don't know it's my anxiety and my intuition is like don't do that shit stick to what you're doing now so yeah, it's definitely not for everybody. Know, oh, yeah. I know girls that have made so much money off of it. So it's not like it's dangerous. It's just they know what they're doing. And I don't, porn is something to navigate on its own. I don't want to have to jump into that. Yeah. And it, <laughs> the thing about it is, it can be dangerous. It can, or it could just be real awkward. I've, you know, obviously have some friends that have escorted or do escort. And I've heard stories of like, yeah, this really rich dude paid me two grand to just hang out on his couch while he smoked meth. Like, there was no sex. Just paid me two grand to hang out on his couch while he smoked meth. Like, Yeah, see, that's, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. 
You don't know what kind they of environment you're walking very into. Brave. Those are brave people yeah. that do that. Just because the dude's rich and vetted that he's not violent doesn't mean it won't be super weird or really uncomfortable or <laughs> awkward. Right. Just not. It's not for everybody. Like that's. Oh no. Porn's not for everybody too. Like I often pre-COVID had before OnlyFans was really big. I had female friends who were like, I'm thinking about getting into porn for whatever reason. Like they were unsatisfied in their day job. They thought it was easy money, whatever. Like any woman who, a friend of mine who's ever approached me about getting into porn, the first thing I do try to do is try to dissuade them from getting in. Like I give them all the negative aspects (laughs) of it. Like all of them. I try my best to scare them off. And if they're still interested, then I'll help them. But yeah, that's smart because after I watched hot girls wanted, I was like, I could do this. And most people were horrified watching that documentary, but I I wasn't horrified because, you know, I never grew up with a lot of money. I don't come from a lot at all. You know, I just, you know, my parents love me. So I'm very appreciative of that. But to me, I did come in for the hustle and the business side of it because I, I was just tired of putting my time in with people working in a hospital, working in retail as a manager, whatever the fuck it was I was doing. Now I had four jobs before I got into the industry and just nothing was like making ends meet and making me feel satisfied. So I, I watched that documentary and Hussy models had already reached out to me because I was on sexy jobs. I was like dancing and stuff out here and I didn't know if they were real so when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. They're real. I trust it. And most people were absolutely terrified after watching that documentary. That doc- I don't know. I just, it didn't bother me. I was like, I, I know I can do this industry. That's how, that was my takeaway from it. So it was, it was positive for me, but they were trying to highlight negative things on there. And I understand that. They definitely did highlight some negative things. And there's definitely some negative exploitive things that are in the industry. It It's getting better, but it's not perfect. We are looking at an industry that in the last, what, 30 to 40 years wasn't even really legal. It's gone from being a completely <laughs> underground illegal industry to being more legitimate. It's not still. Yeah. So it, it has time in because of the turnover rate in the industry, a lot of bad shit could happen. Oh, definitely. But definitely. If you come in with your head on right and look out for the potential pitfalls, it's a really lucrative business for people. That's exactly how I feel about it. And I know <laughs> a lot of women give up too early and it, it makes me feel bad for them because there's a lot more that you can get out of it if you just stick with it through all the bullshit rather than letting yourself get caught up with it. Because there's girls that I know been in for six years. They make $30,000 a month just on OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. And that's not even the high end. It's I know. insane. Exactly. Because that's only six years. There's girls that have been in for almost 20 years. They make so much money. Oh, yeah. I know. You know it's insane. I know one performer who, I mean, she is 100% a top tier performer. She is the, the 1% of performers, but she makes 80000 a month on OnlyFans. Insane. Yeah, all those girls that post the 0. whatever percent, they're making a lot of money. Yeah. 
making a lot of money. Um, I mean, I'm satisfied with what I make, and I'm in top seven or six percent, so that's good. But you know, if I was in Florida or California, shooting all the time like they were, you know, I I don't understand why people even fret on the industry anymore because these girls are making more than the average American. I mean, most of us in America are so poor. Yeah. So I I think it's a great industry for women to get into. If they believe in themselves enough, well, because it, it's a constant thing that'll come up, right? Well, you got to believe in yourself. You also have to be strong enough for to deal with the potential loneliness. Like, yeah. I, I know plenty of very successful performers that have had serious problems in their love life because it's like, oh, I either date male talent, which is a questionable proposition, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or they date dudes that like say they're cool with it, and then all of a sudden aren't cool with it. Yeah, that is the number one thing. I, God, when I first went to LA, I'd never been to LA in my life. And the guy I was with, I thought he would be more mature because he was older than me. He was 24. I was 19. I was like, oh, okay, it'll be better. And hell no, it was terrible. He was so addicted to drugs. He took all of my prescription pills. Awful. I got to stay on Hollywood Boulevard in this cheap-ass motel that his family owned, but... It was a terrible situation. And, you know, he's supposed to be driving me to scenes. He's supposed to be, you know, I'm supposed to be getting work. And it was always a complaint. Always like, oh, you're going to go fuck other people. And most of the stuff I've always done is solo work anyways. So I don't understand that complaint on people's end. But it has became so much drama. So after that trip, when we came home, I just broke up with him. And I was like, I can't be with you anymore. And well, I, I just couldn't. Were you two together before you got in the industry or... I knew him before I got into the industry. We weren't together. We had kind of like, we didn't have sex, but we like kind of hooked up a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I really liked him because <laughs> this was bad. I This is actually why I was happy I didn't stay with him because it was more based on looks for me because I've always been attracted to Asian men for some reason. And when I was a little girl and we lived in D.C., my first boyfriend was this little Guamanian boy that was our neighbor. And I always told my family I was going to marry him. So it was always like an attraction for me. And when I saw him, out of all the other guys, a bunch of crips and bloods I was hanging out with, a lot of gang members I was hanging out with at that time. Um, he wasn't many gangs. He seemed like he had his head straight on and everything. You know, he was like, he was the one I was attracted to out of all of them. But I realized it was more looks and his personality was shitty. So Hey, we've all been there. We've all <laughs> so fucking been there. That's the only, and it's the only time I've ever really been drawn to somebody I dated for looks. I mean, I've slept with people that I thought were attractive, but I was like, never going to date. Um, but he swindled me and it hurt. So that was my very first month in, 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 in maybe my second month in the industry that we got together. So it totally changed my perception. And ever since then, it's made it kind of difficult to be with civilians. I don't know if that sounds weird. but <laughs> No, no, it's, it's very commonplace. It is absolutely very commonplace for people to have those. It's a horrible self-perpetuating cycle because it's like you date a civilian, you get burned. Like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. You date some male talent, like, well, that sucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, that, 
and that's one of the things like one of the hurdles I warn people about when they're like, I want to get in the industry. I'm like, be prepared that your love life may suck. You'll get laid a lot. But, but yeah, your love life is going to be really difficult. It's yeah. going to be really hard. God, it's really difficult. Even this last person I was with, um, I'd slept with quite a few of his friends. You know, I was like, oh, I'm very promiscuous. So I got around. These things happen. Bit. These things happen. No biggie. And I didn't think he was attracted to me. You know, we'd always party together and stuff. I had a few classes with him in school. So I didn't think he was attracted to me. I thought his friends were, right? You know, years later when he hits me up and he keeps asking me to come over late at night, I was like, what, you just want me to come over and suck your dick? I completely offended him. He was like really hurt by it. Um, and I found out through other friends that I had offended him. So I apologized. I was you know, going to be a grown adult about it. And, you know, we talked on the phone for a while. And I was like, well, this guy's really chill, you know. It got along really well. Hung out with each other. Just, you know, really clicked. He told me that it didn't matter I had sex with his friends. You know, so I was thinking, he's really laid back. It probably doesn't matter that I shoot porn. Because if he's okay with it, I've had sex with his best friends. These guys that he doesn't even know that I don't even like, it shouldn't matter. But it really blew up in my face. And... It was a terrible situation how it ended. Oh, I'm so it sorry. is, it's just hard. It's hard to keep hyping yourself up thinking somebody's actually like down for the cause and then they're not. So So how did the discussion about doing porn go with him? <laughs> well, um it kinda he knew I did porn though. I mean everybody out here knew I did porn. So it's not like he didn't know I did porn. Okay. Okay. So that was the first thing why I was kind of offended, but we had talked on the phone for like four hours and for the first two hours. It was a great conversation, right? Halfway through when I said that I don't sleep with anybody besides him, you know, outside the industry, he got really offended and was like, you just go and fuck other people. And you know, like what I do is just sleeping around. And I kept reiterating that it's a job for me. And then at the end of the day, I want to get behind the scenes that, you know, I make art. Like I want to do films and cinematography. And I love photography. That's really where I want to go with this. Just he could not let it go that I'm like sucking other people's dicks. Right. So for me, I have the ability to separate like this is my job and this is somebody I want to be with. Because if I wasn't getting paid, I wouldn't be doing any of this. Right, I don't, and like, I don't understand how he doesn't get that. Well, and um, so that that's really where we kind of fell off. Well, how old is that dude? Just when I said that, how old is that dude? I think he's going to be twenty-five this year. Hey, especially if you're not exposed to the industry, it's his attitude sucks. Don't get me, I'm not defending his attitude, but I, <laughs> I understand. I understand at that age. It took me being in the industry, actively working in the industry, to change my mindset because. We're all, like, raised where, unless it's a hookup, sex kind of means something. Exactly. So... You know, and I, I, I get that, and that's what I was trying to say to him. It's like, I, I don't want him to feel like there's feelings attached to the sex. You know, that was a big thing for me, because I understand why somebody would feel that way. I was cheated on by everybody I was with, or... They were cheating on their girlfriend with me. So it was hard. I get why somebody would maybe feel that way. But the thing about my biggest thing is, you know, if I, you know, if I make it a point to I'm with you, 
it should mean something to you that I'm not sleeping with anybody else outside the industry and that this is just my job. Exactly. And the way I like to break it down to dudes, because like I, I, you know, even here in Hollywood, I have male friends who are like, dude, because I, you know, I occasionally date performers. It, it's a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have male friends like, yo, how can you be cool with your, your girl going to set? And I'm like, um, because she's coming home to me later? At the end of the day, w- would you be upset if your girl went and got a massage? Would you be upset if some strange dude put his hands all over your girl's body and gave her physical pleasure? Mm. Well, no, man. That's just a massage. Well, what's the difference? What's the fucking difference? Yeah. It's 2020. Mm-hmm. The performers are safe. Like, I am more of a potential endangerment to my partner's health than my partner is to me if she's a performer. Because I'm not getting 14 yeah. day t- I'm not getting 14 day tests. Oh my gosh, I said that so many times to guys and they just don't get the concept of how clean the performers have to be. Well, you know, and if you're not clean, people call you out so quick. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. they're just doing it now for some guy on Twitter I just saw. I don't even know his name. And I'm like Somebody else is getting called out for it. Hell. For COVID. Not being clean for COVID. You know? It's like... They'll call you out for anything. Exactly. Hell, I got... The last person I was looking up with was a civilian. And as things were going sideways, she's like, I'm never sleeping with someone who sleeps with dirty porn stars. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) We're not in like a monogamous thing. (laughs) I know you had unprotected sex with someone else two weeks ago. Like, you are more of a risk than I am. I at least had a clean test from after my last partner. Like, exactly. It's just that horrible stigma, like, that just because performers are having a large quantity of sex, that they're not doing it safely as possible. Yeah, it is. It's that idea that's still pushed, that narrative that America will never let go. Yeah, we're a we horrible. Have a lot of sex and be safe. The horrible puritanical <laughs> society. <laughs> it is. It's, we've never let it go. This country is so conservative at its base, um, but people don't realize that. I don't understand. If they really paid attention to American history, they would see that we've always been this conservative. But we're a bunch of prudes that fled Europe. Yes, uh, we were the prudes of Europe that were mad because Europe was going more liberal. I don't understand how. Did you guys miss this in history class? <laughs> I mean, we're also dealing with a large part of the population that won't put a mask on because it impedes their freedom. So, yeah. it's it, worrisome. A little, just, just a touch, just, just a touch worrisome. Just, just a little. Yeah, and it's it's really disappointing because I um, I wanted to start doing like more independent sketches and films and stuff. You know, not porn. I'm obviously will always shoot porn, but besides that, um, like regular stuff around Albuquerque because. New Mexico is number two for film subsidies. There's always films produced here. It's like a great area for it. But now with COVID, I don't even know who I would trust to have around me because some people are avid about a mask being against their freedom. You know, people that I thought were normal for years that coming out of the woodworks is believing this idiotic propaganda. Oh. It's not a good sign. And- I just don't get it. Believe me. Believe me. I know. It's it's amazing. Once you hit someone like on an emotional trigger point, there is no rational conversation you can have with them. Um, 
I got literally last night into a, she got into a screaming fit with me on Twitter and I just very calmly, but like, <laughs> I'm sorry for engaging in this com- what in this Twitter string. I'm just going to walk away right now mm-hmm. over that movie Cuties. That is just really, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand because it's so hard being a little girl and people are always telling us like what you wear. It like bothers men and stuff. You have to, we always have to be a certain way for men. Well, and, and then they go and sexualize these little girls. Well, and that's and the thing. I spent my whole life like being in this box for men, and then they are sexualizing girls. It's like, what is? I just don't understand what is wrong with this country. Well, and that's the thing. From everything I've gathered, I have not watched the movie. I will put that out. I haven't either. I haven't watched the movie. I have no real interest of it. But I've read articles that said. Netflix marketing is really the problem there. They sensationalized the worst parts of the movie. The movie is more of a coming-of-age story in France and uncomfortably and makes missteps doing this, making those exact points that it's wrong that these little girls are put in this box and that Mm -hmm. the movie is taken from the point of view of their naivety that they don't understand why it's wrong. Yep. And I tried to make that point and just post this article who said it much more articulately than I ever could to someone who was yeah. ranting about it on Twitter last night. And the conversation ended with like, I went, you know what? I'm sorry I engaged in this. This is obviously emotional for you and you're not willing to have a conversation. <laughs> she, like, she responded with, good night, pedophile defender. Oh my gosh. It's not, it's not defending pedophiles. It's actually kind of interesting because when people hear the story and it's Netflix, they go, oh, American pedophilia in Hollywood. But then if somebody interjects and says, oh, this is a France movie, they're kind of taken down from, oh, well, it's France. And it makes people go, well, yeah, because in Europe, narrowing of sexuality is different. It does come up at younger ages for girls, which is probably why France wanted to hint at it, because it's probably worse than it is in America. And it's probably the way that America is trying to go. So I guess that maybe what the people are trying to create, it probably wasn't a bad message. There might have even been a lot of women behind the movie in France. It's a, it might have it's been a, a black, more female thing. It's a black female director. Yeah, and see, I haven't watched it. And I saw the videos that people were mad about, and I was like, that does look really sexual. If the concept is for showing how girls feel, that is how girls feel at a young age. So America can't get up in arms immediately about everything just because of of what we see on the internet. Like I said, I haven't watched the movie, but it's not not a movie that really interests me anyways. I like crazy, you know, sci-fi, insane, type horror movies. We're coming back to to that in a second. Oh, we're we're definitely coming back to that in a second. So, you know, I don't know. I I think that maybe it is a trigger for some people. I had a neighbor that was a pedophile when I was growing up as a kid, and I had a teacher who was a pedophile when I was growing up as a kid. And I've had a lot of realizations of how weird the interactions were with them as I got older. So I get that maybe it hits some people differently. Um, but even for somebody like me, when I watched that, I took it as that's how they make little girls. That's what they do to us. Yeah. And it's terrible. And that, from what I gather, that's the point of the movie. And a female friend of mine just posted on Facebook like a day or two ago. She's like, I actually watched Cuties. It's no more controversial than a Judy Bloom book. Like it's, she's like, I'm really happy I didn't come of age right now with this much internet and this much criticism. Yeah. Oh my God, you can't do anything. God. Oh, I am so happy I did not come of age in like the age of a smartphone. 
I did so much stupid and criminal shit as a teenager. If people could have easily record easily recorded me doing it, like you're not <laughs> you're not that far off from it. Like people had fucking smartphones when you were a teenager. You know, it's it's weird because it's like my I know for my brother and sister and I. My sister's ninety four. My brother's ninety five. I'm ninety seven. You know, it was always older technology for us. We still had a black and white TV. You know, we still had all these typewriters. We still had Walkman. So we got to see a change of it. You know, a change from VHS tapes to DVDs. We got to see that. And same with the smartphone. And if I would have been born maybe just in 99 or 2000, I know my perception would be different. I mean, I know I'm right at that cusp of it because... The kids that I was helping my mom babysit that were born in 99 act so differently than I do. And they know so much more shit about the internet and all this shit than I do. And it's just like, I don't understand. If you grew up with money, maybe it's different. You have a smartphone at a young age. But if you grow up poor, you're going to be using older technology for a long time. And so your ass is working up the money for that new technology. So I'm happy I didn't have people that had smartphones everywhere because I did a lot of crazy shit. Um, there was always, for our generation, it was one rich kid had a smartphone. Everybody else, you know, we're still in the, the dinosaur ages, as the rich kids wanted to call it. So I, I, I lucked out. I was a few years off. See, I, I graduated high school in 99. So I was way <laughs> I know, off. I was, I was a toddler. <laughs> so okay. So okay. <laughs> I know. It's, I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm ancient. I'm an older soul, so I feel like I wasn't even born in 97, but it's it's my date. So. <laughs> There's paperwork to prove it. Yes. I'm all sevens, so it's there. Nice. So back to like the films you want to make and like your taste in film. I'm really curious about this because yes. you're like, I'm into crazy sci-fi. Like, I will. Yes. I want to do this real quick yes. for, I mean, I guess you and the audio, uh, the video audience. Like, uh, we're going to do, do, Yes. Oh my gosh. I used to work at FYE, which, you know, was Sam Goody. FYE bought yeah. them out and they merged, right? But it was pretty much just a Sam Goody when I had worked there. Um, oh my God. Like just, that was my, I would have stayed there forever if they didn't ever wrong me. I would still be working at FYE right now. That is how much I love music and movies. I just love them. I didn't know those were still a thing. I thought they'd all closed down. No, they, um, they're still around. They actually, FYE is the merchandise store for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Ohio. So if you go there and you buy merchandise, that's who it all runs through. That might be the only thing keeping them alive. Um, and then obviously Hastings went under. And I worked at FYE still when Hastings went under and everybody was so sad. It was like, the music store is gone. Where do we go? So it's almost monopolizing well, FYE, which is worse. But Well, physical, like just physical media and music is just so downhill these days. Hell. It is. Back in my day. Back in my day. Back, <laughs> back, back in my day. Back in my day. Like we used to... <laughs> Legitimately, like blockbuster music was a thing in the nineties. Oh my god! I love blockbusters. Hollywood Video. Oh. Well, and blockbuster music was like it was a retail store, but their policy was you could bring any CD to the counter and listen to it like at a place they had 
like stations set up where you could just listen to music throughout the store. Yeah, because we well, still had that in Fye. You could can listen. Well, oh my god! Well, they had they had stations set up throughout the store, but you could literally like they had a center. The one that was near me had a center area with like maybe six, seven stations where you could just bring a CD to the counter, any CD in the store, and they'd open it for you and put it in the player, and you could just listen to it in the center of the store. So as I was. <laughs> So nice. As a scummy teenager, man, we used to just loiter in there and like, oh, this new album looks cool. Listen to that, like top to bottom. Eh, I don't want to buy it. Go grab another album. That would have been me through and through. Totally. I mean, I got to do that at FYE. I got to preview so much music. Um, that really helped because there's a lot of shit I thought I would buy, but I'm like, oh God, good thing I get to preview it at this store. So... I am, I gotta. I, I'm curious. When was the last time you just sat down and listened to music? No, like no other distractions, just music. Oh, I do. I did that just today. I love to wake up and play music. And I typically, this is weird. And most people aren't like me, but I still love classical music because I play piano. So I love to hear classical piano and just get you like ready. I don't know. I I have to have. A segment of time where I'm just listening to music because it, it calms me down like nothing else. That's awesome. Like I feel you, especially in this day and age, are the exception, 100% the exception, not the rule. Because I remember like being a teenager in the analog age of just sitting in my room listening to tunes, not doing anything else, just listening to music. I can't remember the last time I did that. Like. I'll listen, sit there with my headphones and listen to music, but I'll be dicking around on social media. I won't just be listening to music. And I feel I'm like that, multitasking. Right. And I feel like that is something that is lost in modern life that um, so few people just don't take the time to just sit there and listen to music. Listen. Oh, yeah. It's, that's still one of my favorite things to do. It's just letting the music get into your brain. Well, you know, I, I dance as well. Um, so I, I really like to have just the music without anything else when you're thinking about and choreographing a dance. Um, and then I love, this is obviously a distraction, but um, I, I love writing with music. So I look for songs that when I hear it, it sparks an idea and like a story in my mind. And like, I have to save that, go back and listen to it when I want to write, because that's one of the best things for me to get a story. There's so many short stories I've written just because I heard a song and it planted an idea in my head. That's awesome. Like you really are an old soul. You're like I'm listening to music. I'm just writing. <laughs> I, I'm, are you actually like writing, writing, like writing it out in a notebook? Yeah, I can't. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, if I, I, so I hated school because if I had to type something and just type, nothing was going to happen. Like it was just like, I need the pencil into the paper. I need pen and pad. I have to write it out. Otherwise, the idea won't flow as naturally. I'm going to have to go right now. I'm, I'm talking about it so much. It's making me itch for it now. It's like a drug for me. She's like, interview over. Sorry, I got to go right. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. But... She's, she's sitting there scratching. She's, I, I, I just got to. <laughs> just a couple words. I'll be back. I just got a couple words. I got to put a couple words down. Just, just one or two, Matt. One or two. I'll be right back. I swear. I swear. <laughs> You can trust me. I'll be right back. Just one or two. One or two. One, <laughs> maybe three. Maybe three. It's, I'll be right back. Literally, that's how I am. I think that's probably why I um, like movies a lot, though, too. I like the trippy movies. The movies that like make you think. 
so what, watching. I think asking someone for like their favorite movie is bullshit. There should not be one favorite movie. If you're actually into yeah, film, there's never just one. I mean, if I had to pick just one, no. I always say being John Malkovich. Fuck yeah. But it's totally not just my favorite movie. I mean, I've there's plenty of other movies I've watched a million times as well and I'm obsessed with, like Forrest Gump. Absolutely love. Um, I love almost anything Leonardo DiCaprio does because he is such a good method actor. But, you know, I love Tarantino movies like Reservoir Dogs. It's my favorite Tarantino movie. Um, but it's so hard because like Tarantino is just fantastic. I went and watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on my birthday because it came out the day before my birthday in 2019, I think. Yeah. So. I was like, what? Tarantino's dropping a movie around my birthday. I was so excited. I had to go watch it. I don't know. I just, I like movies that you have to really pay attention to. And that gives you this crazy message that you weren't expecting. So do you ever hit film festivals and do catch indies, stuff like that? I have never been to a film festival, but I always bought independent movies on DVD when I worked at FYE. Nice. It was one of the biggest things I would do because if I saw the cover and I liked it, I would buy it, which you're not supposed to do, but I do that with books as well. And it tends to be my favorite type of media is because I just see something. I just like connect with it and I grab it. And there's so many independent movies that I found that I absolutely fell in love with. There's one on Netflix with um, Brie Larson and Lakeith Stanfield. It's called Short Term 12. It's about a foster home. And it is so raw and beautiful. It's not like a typical Hollywood, what people think foster homes are. It was just so touching. And almost nobody will watch that film. Almost nobody will get to see it because it's not pumped out by Hollywood media and marketing. But it's one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Well, it's beautiful. That's part of the reason Like I haven't done it in years. But when I lived in Chicago, every year I'd go to the Chicago Film Festival at least catch a couple movies. Awesome. Like I would go through the flyer and like that sounds interesting. Like, uh, shit, I don't even remember what year it was, but saw like a Korean gangster flick called Dirty Carnival, which was amazing. Uh, and it, it's a strange movie just because there are points where the characters are doing karaoke, but the karaoke they're singing is singing out the plot. Like they're singing about the plot of the movie while they're in these scenes in the karaoke, kind of breaking Whoa, the fourth. Oh, I can't even imagine. That's crazy. Kind of breaking the fourth wall wow. while they do the karaoke. Like, yeah, that's cool. And it was just such an interesting dichotomy versus like an American gangster movie because there's a point like most of the fight scenes are like with bats in their hands, and it was a major thing for the characters like that someone pulled a knife at some point. <laughs> and like this is in the mid two thousands where you know. At that point, we've already had Boys in the Hood. We've had Menace to Society. We've had, like, yes, you know, the, the heyday of the American modern gangster flick. And yeah. those movies are so, so gunplay heavy. The idea of, like, seeing a gangster flick where, like, oh, my God, that dude pulled a knife out was a big deal. <laughs> and it's scary. Yeah, the knives are barely used in American media for action films. Crazy. Yeah, like, it's amazing how, like, I just watched a thing on YouTube where it was, like, someone who professionally trains knife fighting was watching, like, knife fighting scenes in movies. And it's just, like, a handful of movies. And half of them were, like, 90s action movies with, like, Steven Seagal. 
That is so funny. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think of a movie that I've seen where the person was like an attacker and stabbing everybody. Like in recent years. And I can't even think of one. I actually love a lot of British TV shows. Um, A show Idris Elba was on for a long time called Luther. Hell yeah, I know Luther. Dirty detective, you know? They had a lot of stabbing stuff because it's Europe, so well, it's not heavily driven it, with guns. So especially the UK. Like that. Yes, because they're really, really big on the whole bombing thing in their media, knives, and just weird like poison stuff. We don't pull into our media as well, much. Well, because so. it's the cultural difference. Guns are so prevalent in the states altogether. The amount of stabbing violence versus gun violence. And the thing about it is, if you gave me the choice of like, Matt, would you rather get shot or stabbed? I'm like, shoot me. Yeah, a stabbing has always scared me so much because it is so personal as well, too. It's like, and just the, that's more, I feel like that's going to be way more painful. Well, it's, shooting, I could probably get over faster. Yeah, and me. on top of it, knives make horrible, jagged wounds that they may not be able to clean up properly. Like, yeah, it scares me. Yeah, and you general, can sometimes have a clean bullet wound. It could just go through and through. Yeah. So you go through and through. You could, you know, even if they're pulling the slug out of you, like it's gonna make a fairly uniform hole unless it hits something and ricochets inside your body. Stabbing, mm-hmm. especially because I'm not gonna just stand there and let you stab me. So I'm gonna be in motion. The blade's gonna be in motion. You're gonna be in motion. It's gonna make some horrible jagged. Like you're, yeah, you're definitely gonna move when you get stabbed, I and mean, you're gonna. Oh God, so that's yeah. horrific to me. I, one of my friends, I'm sure this is not an original line from them, but it was like, the winner in the night fight bleeds, the loser gushes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because you're getting cut. If yeah. you're the knife fight, it's not, you're still getting cut. So yeah. Yeah, gushes is not what I, yeah, not yeah. what I want to hear. No. You know, and I like, I like to draw blood and everything, you know? I like phlebotomy, so... Oh, I, I, bothers I, me, but. I thought that was about to be a kink. I'm like, oh, shit, well, where are we going? <laughs> I actually really want to do something with a knife, but, you know, there's a trust level with people that you have to get to, so... Yeah, that, that's a... My, I, yeah. I have enough trust issues that, like, I'm not letting a partner, like, tie me up. I'm not into I'd it. I love that, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Nobody's tied me up recently, so uh, sad face. It's hard. It's hard to get to that trust. I really want to do like stuff with like leashes and like dog kennel and stuff. You know, I don't like to throw up. I know I have one scene where I threw up. I was told I didn't have to, and they lied to me. Oh, that's not cool neither here nor there and i'm okay with the company it's is what it is i let it go and um i think people probably think i throw up because i did that but you know i want to do like you know like leash kennel type stuff that they do on their site i don't want people to think i'm going to be eating my throw up and shit you know i want to be able to have a a kink without it getting too far for me so and this industry's gone a little wild with the throw up. So, well, they just gotta, that is a phase. They just got to keep upping the game to like make it new and shocking for people. Yeah, I don't know what's next because I know a lot of people that do scat stuff, but because I don't want to throw up, I ain't, I ain't doing that at all. 
So, and my thing with the throwing up is like, I can't even throw up when I septic. Like that is too much work. Like I don't even gag really when I septic. So I'm meant to like, you know, you're forcing me to throw up. I don't want to do that on camera. Like no. Throwing up is one of my worst. Is one of the worst feelings. I hate it. Like I couldn't imagine like wanting to throw up in a sexual situation. Like nah. That's that's exactly how I feel about it. Is when I throw up, I'm not going to be turned on. I'm going to be like, oh my god, I threw up. I have to clean up. I throw up. I have it in my nose. It's my hand. You know, brush my teeth. It's not sexy to me. Nope. But it really is a fetish and a kink for some people. Um, but like I said, I'm hoping maybe it's just a phase, and the people that like it, the girls that like to do it, will make the money on it and power to them. Hopefully, there's more things that are coming that are directed towards me. I know that burping is trending on many vids, and I burp all the time. It's just natural. I have really bad stomach issues, so... Is it on, is it on command? Off of that. Is it on command, or you gotta, like, drink something bubbly, or... No, I don't have to drink anything bubbly. Um, I just, I feel it in my stomach, and I know my boob is coming, and... I was burping before this. So. Oh, I was, I was just trying to get one on camera. I was trying to get a freebie out of you. Sorry. Oh, shit. There's a little one. That's very little. That's a little me, one? Fuck. Yeah, that's tiny. My mom and sister burp a lot, too. So it's like a, it's a burping gene in our family. <laughs> on the women, though, none of the men burp. It's really strange. So if that's a fetish, I can make money off of that. You know, and it's nothing regurgitating. <laughs> somebody's always into it. There's always something somebody's into. Oh, yeah. That's what, you know, you had said earlier, you always tell people me like not to join the industry. I'm kind of a little similar. I just, I let them know all the bad things. And then I let them know that whatever you want to do, somebody will buy it. So even in the beginning when people are kind of hard on you and telling you, no, 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 this is how you have to go. You don't have to listen to them because anything will really sell in this industry. You can find your fetish and your kink and somebody else has the same exact one. But in that situation, you have to be willing to endure the hard road to get yourself out to those people that are into that fetish. It's really hard. It's really hard. I mean, I'm still in like a, a, I'm really happy with how far I've gone, but I know that I can still shoot more. So I'm not nowhere near like, done and say I'm satisfied but um it's definitely um it's hard if if you get discouraged really easily and you're gonna let it get you down all the time it's totally not the industry well, and if you can't deal with criticism from strangers because some dude will be like if you gain a pound yeah. some dude will put comment on some fucking <laughs> video like oh look at her celluloids or you know, some bullshit like that <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, oh my God, dude, you couldn't so fuck her bad. if she if she begged you in real life. You probably couldn't get a heart on for her. <laughs> Stop it! I'm getting turned on. Stop it! Oh my God! I'm fucking <laughs> yeah, no. The Take my money, please. Big. Fucking on camera. Hey, but you got to be able to like endure that public criticism. And I'm uh, a, I'm a content mm-hmm. creator. I get, yo, I'm not even getting naked. And, yo, you can't create content without getting some negative fucking just trolly ass comments. And I do my best to just be like, 
brush it off. Right. But it's the best thing to do, but it's hard. That initial, like, that initial sting is like, ooh, I want to say something. I just want to shut you down. I want to fucking, I want to make you fucking cry because you spent the time yep. to say something fucking ignorant to me. But I'm an adult. Make them feel bad. Right. But I'm yeah. an adult now. I'm like, I don't know you. I really don't value your opinion. The, the uh-huh. last one I got was um, most of the video content's on Vimeo. Like, it's behind a paywall because YouTube mm-hmm. won't let me make money on this kind of shit. But I put clips on YouTube, and occasionally, if there's no nudity and nothing too crazy, I'll put a full vid- an old full video on YouTube. And mm-hmm. I had Peter Warren, who is the managing editor of ABN, and Anna DeVille on. Full video. Someone commented last week, like, oh my god. How much did you two fat incels have to pay Anna DeVille to come hang out with you? I'm like, I just, part of me really wants to comment how fucking wrong you are. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the managing editor of AVN. He's not even, like, a host on this show. Um, Anna's, Anna's a friend of mine. Um... See, and then they t- expect us female stars just to be like all of us to be so fucking pretentious. And it's like most of us aren't because most of us were just sluts anyways, and oh. we wanted to make money. Well, so uh, these fans and the criticisms, it's like gotta get over that. Like that's not how these people in the industry are. We're more laid back. Well, per- the majority of performers are more laid back, and fucking the amount of people that were like fucking nerds in high school, like were the the nerds in high school who once they got out of high school, like, oh shit, there's nothing wrong with sex. I'm going to explore sex and are out here. Like <laughs> was the last, would be the last person. Like if you looked at their yearbook photo, be like, you're, you're going to turn into a porn star. No, I know that's how people feel about me. Cause I was definitely nerdy. I mean, I'm really bad at math and science, but I love English and history. And if somebody needed me to help them with their homework and shit, I never turned it down. I didn't give a shit. So I, you're, you're, I know a lot of people were shocked. Right. You're not like, I was a cheerleader. You're like, uh, I enjoy listening to music and writing and classical music and playing piano. And I'm a cinephile. <laughs> oh my God. Those are the popular girl activities if I've ever fucking heard them. <laughs> yeah i i just get asked if i did cheer and i don't know why people assume i did but i actually filmed um the games for my football team we had to be equipment managers too but i love football and i wanted to play i couldn't play they were very sexist so my sister and i filmed the games it was our closest medium our best compromise we could get you're probably better off with the lack of CTE you got. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I wish there was flag football for girls, though. I don't understand why we couldn't have that sport in my school, but I just let it go. And I actually really enjoyed filming. Um, I always loved cameras, so it just made my love for videography grow even more. So um, it ended up being very beneficial. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! So what kind of non-pornographic stuff do you want to write and make? Like you said you wanted to shoot around Albuquerque. What do you what do you want to make? Well, I always write short stories, so I really want to do some like crazy not like Twilight Zone and Black Mirror, more real life, but like little shorts and stuff. Um working with some people out here. I wanted some of their ideas cuz the stuff I write, you know, it's such one mindset you know i like to brainstorm 
Um, but I, I have a story that I've been writing for a long time. Um, I wanted to do a story about somebody as a young adult. I hate that everything is high school or they're in a university. I wanted something that was more of how a typical poor American would grow up. Um, and I partied a lot as a kid. I started partying at like 13. Um, so there was a lot of drugs, a lot of sex, a lot of violence, a lot of crazy stuff that I experienced. Um, and, you know, with all my friends and everything out here, I kind of wanted everybody to come together and come up with a cool idea and do a nice independent film with the stuff that we've kind of dealt with in our lives. Um, but like I said, COVID's kind of stumped that. And I'm still writing my story. Uh, I know this guy who's part of SAG and all that shit in, in Hollywood. Um, he told me I could like send him some of my documentary ideas and my film ideas and that he would help me um, get in contact with some people. So I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So I want it to be as clean as possible. For sure. Are, are you finishing it first or are you like obsessing on a scene? My thing is how things end. And I want to have the ending. I have the beginning finished. I wrote it in, I don't know if you've seen Moonlight, the movie. Um, okay, it's actually a play. Picture, picture of the year of Moonlight? Yes, and it's a play, so it's written in three acts. I've always kind of written stories similar to that. Well, um, so that's generally after the, watching it, I mean, some people write their things so crazy. Like M. Night Shyamalan, his fucking movies are just too, they end so bad. And I love his ideas, but the endings are so bad. So I want, to, I just, I like to have it as a collective story. So if I know I like the ending, then I will send something off. But I've had my um, mom and sister read and edit stuff for me throughout it. So it's not like I, I won't share anything. And I've been brainstorming with people the whole time. But Nice, nice. I, yeah. I fancied myself wanting to be a screenwriter at some point. I can't do it. I'm, I, I have accepted the fact that like, I have great ideas. Well, what I feel are great ideas. I do not have the ability <laughs> to just sit down and grind out writing. I just don't. It's not in me. It's it's a lot. It, it is a lot. And I have so many hobbies. I do so much stuff. So sometimes I don't get to the writing and then I feel guilty about it. But um, it's nothing to me detrimental because um, my mom's parents wrote a novel, a really good one about abortion. Um, it's a crazy fucking story. But my mom's dad, as wild and as crazy as they are, um, he's a really good writer. And he wrote one amazing novel in his life amongst all of his poems and other shit. So, you know, I'm totally satisfied if, if I just have one successful piece of work, too. I just, I like the thing. I, I want it to make sense. That's my biggest issue. A story cannot just be left by the wayside. I hate that in movies. Oh, 100%. Really 100%. That that's honestly why I like feature length films over television in most cases, because mm -hmm. a feature length film ideally is the most important story in your character's life. Yeah. And if you're doing a film, well, it, it, the three, three acts, it's like we're exposed to our characters. We're introduced to our characters. We, in the second act have our conflict and in our third act, we have our resolution and it's resolved. It, our characters go yeah. on. Like, 
the, that's the problem why like film sequels are often garbage because if you were telling me in the first movie the most important story in this character's life you're just trying to top what was supposed to be the most important story in your character's life in the second film yeah it's it's really hard to keep people's attention I notice all these kids that watch YouTube and stuff, they'll click on a video and then get off of it and click on a video and get off of it. So it's a lot of like right away, how do you get somebody intrigued without revealing everything? Um, so it's definitely a little slow dance that you have to do with writing and well, revealing the story. Especially with filmmaking, if you're trying to get it made within the Hollywood system, most, yeah, I've looked into it. I tried, I, I felt that I could do this at one point. I don't think I could do it through hollywood i feel like i would i'm gonna have to be satisfied with just going completely independent with it unless somebody like fucking spike lee believed in me or tyler perry but um i really as sad as it is kind of accept my race and being a female it's gonna be almost impossible to really make it unless you're in a hollywood click so you never know but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I never, like, try to discourage myself, so... Well, uh, but the thing about it is it's not necessarily discouraging yourself. The, there's a lot of problems with the Hollywood system. There's a lot. Yeah. Besides the, the you know, underlying sexism, racism issues that are ongoing, you also have the yeah, issues but... of when there's that much money on the line, it becomes a collaborative process and it is no longer necessarily in the writer's hands. Exactly, and that's why I know a lot of people just want to stay independent because it's up to them. It's really hard to be somebody like Spike Lee or Tarantino or an Alfred Hitchcock, Francis Coppola, where it was all you. It's really hard to get to that position. Well, and so you got to look at how Tarantino got to be Tarantino. He sold true romance to Tony Scott. Exactly. He, which is one of his best stories. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Scott actually kind of kept it for himself. Well, do you, do you know the story behind it? Uh, true romance? Yeah, how Tony Scott ended up with true romance? No. So Tony Scott approached Tarantino about Reservoir Dogs and True Romance were both completed, the scripts were completed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Tony Scott initially tried to buy both of them. And Tarantino oh, so said he only sold him true romance. Yeah, he's like, you get one or the other, you get to pick. And then he used he the He kept mo- a better one though. He kept the, well, who knows how true romance would have been with Tarantino actually behind the helm. True. That's true. As the director, yeah. that would have been way. It would have been way different. That's true. I mean, you definitely have Tony but Scott. The storyline, Reservoir Dogs. The storyline is so amazing. I love it. And you're like, you don't know who actually was the rat the whole time. It's hard to keep people intrigued with a story like that, too. Well, and unfortunately, True Romance, though phenomenal, great cast, great writing, bombed yeah. because they didn't know how to market it. Yeah, Matt's actually one of my dad's favorite movies of all time. It's one of his favorite movies. Top notch. But um, it is, it's it's not one that people obsess over. It doesn't have a, the cult following that all of the Tarantino films have. So, But he's he sold True Romance. He sold uh, Natural Born Killers to Oliver Stone. Yeah, I knew that one. So, I love Oliver Stone, so that one was fantastic still. Them two together is actually amazing. Oh, I love Natural Born Killers. I rewatched it recently. It definitely has some 90s cheese on it more than I think True Romance does. How it's edited and everything. I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I actually own Natural Born Killers on DVD, but they're in Taos, New Mexico. 
So um, I went to the Taos Gorge Bridge and I was like, I can buy that movie. And I went and bought it on DVD. Oh, <laughs> I have all of those on all of, all of those on DVD, all of them. Oh yeah, I I love. I don't have all of Tarantino's stuff. I don't have all of Oliver Stone. There's a few directors that I want to get their complete works, but um, yeah, between I don't, I, I don't have it. Some of Tarantino's works I just have digitally these days, but. Up to Django, I have on DVD or Blu-ray. Wow, that's a, that's most of his movies, though. So that's a lot. Yeah, um, and I have Once Upon a Time in in digital. It's... Oh, I love that movie so much. So oh, I saw it in theaters a couple times. Yeah, I'm a huge Tarantino fan. I'm Pulp Fiction. I consider in my top ten. Like I will literally watch Pulp Fiction. Whenever it's on, and I'm, I'm obnoxious to watch Pulp Fiction with because I'll start quoting lines. I will start quoting That's, lines. No, my dad, that is his favorite movie of all time. We bought him a Pulp Fiction Stein, a Pulp Fiction blanket. He always recites Samuel Jackson's Ezekiel 45 17, whatever the fuck it is. 25 17. And yes, okay, see, there you go. He would be disappointed in me that I didn't get it exactly. Too, but, bad. Um, Too bad you only just said that on the internet where it's recorded. <laughs> I don't care. It's not my favorite Tarantino film, um, so I haven't watched it as many times. But um, I've seen it probably five times. I can, Reservoir Dogs, I own, and I will watch that nonstop. I will watch it multiple times in a day. You know, that's that's my Tarantino film right there. So, but I love Pulp Fiction. It's really hard to make a movie that's chopped up. You know, Memento is really good. Memento isn't technically chopped up when you watch it it's just backwards it, yeah it's backwards do you know they they yeah. released a dvd version that has a special feature to watch it in the proper order really yep. it's a rare it's a rare special edition that's hard to find wow that's a that would be so interesting because when it finishes the first time i watched it i was trying to follow it but then as soon as it ends it all made sense to me i know some people say they hate it because it doesn't make any sense but it really does and christopher nolan does make really good films as well he not all of them are trippy but he really thinks about the aesthetic he thinks about the storyline he keeps you intrigued it's just beautifully made oh i love nolan's movies they do a lot of times have glaring plot holes in them if you really fucking pay attention to them he doesn't answer all of his questions actually you know i love stephen king but I have, and I read a lot of his books too. I have this issue with him where his plot lines become so similar and so predictable that if you've read at least three of his books, you know how everything else is going to go. You see three of his movies, you know how it's all going to go. Yeah, it's going to have childhood. It's going to have childhood bullies, and it's going to be in Maine. And something there's going to be one racist reference. Right. And actually, it's funny you said it's going to be in Maine because I bought his book, The Outsider. I loved the cover. Flipped it over. It was in Oklahoma. I was like, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm going to read this fucking book. He actually is outside of Maine. And it was still predictable. But it was Oklahoma, July. I was like, that's my birthday, my birthday month, you know, where I'm from. So the book is good, but it's like, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sad, but I still love, I still want to see what he puts out. You know, he, he's got some of the creepiest human beings of all time i actually think his best piece of work made into media recently was mr mercedes i didn't see that one but it's oh it's really hard to find i think it's only like 
AT&T TV now, which was direct TV, obviously, but um, it's only on one of their channels. And it's about like a creepy mom with her son. It is so fucking, you can't even predict what happens in that one. So that was good. What did you think uh, of it in part know. two? I haven't even watched it. Okay, I won't I won't spoil it for you, but I was I wanted the first it to just and I've read that book as well. And the book scared me. Very, very scary book. So maybe I was disappointed because the book was so scary that it just didn't translate the same. No, they kind of made it Stranger Things the horror movie. It's so funny because I, I felt like it was like Stranger Things. I felt like they were trying to be like the Goonies almost in a way. Too. It was weird to me. Yeah. It didn't have its own like presence. It felt like so many other movies and so many other pieces of media. So I haven't even watched the second one. Kind of disappointed. I was super excited to, to the, watch it too. The second one is worse than the first one. It is because Bill Hader's in it, isn't he? Oh, Bill Hader gives an amazing performance. There are some... <sighs> Great, I love Bill Hader. There are some great, great standalone performances in the second movie. The overall the plot, line. the story is bad. The story is bad. The adaptation's bad. I'll I'll go on record and say it. The adaptation was bad. <laughs> That's okay because you know we still love Stephen King, so it's a lot of love. You know the fact that we were even willing to give him a chance and watch all of this stuff. So. Wow, I'm gonna have to watch it now. I'm gonna have to just because I love horror movies too. So, so who anytime else? there's a no, 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 go ahead. Sorry, go. Ahead. Sorry, you can go. Oh, I just want to know what other directors you were into besides Tarantino, Spike, you know, Spike Lee. What is your? Well, Sp- I do love Christopher Nolan. And Nolan, so I had to had to say him. Who is your Spike um, Lee joint, by the way? Like, what is your Spike Lee movie? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of hard. So I love Spike Lee because the message he always drives, but he does. Sometimes the storylines are kind of you know, like I can see what's coming. Um, I don't know. I always like she's got to have it. That was one I really, really liked when I was growing up. Um, but I don't know. Honestly, it's hard with Spike Lee and Tarantino because it's like you want to say one, but there's just, there's so many. I really, his messages, though, is, is kind of is actually a big reason why I kind of wanted to start making films is because I saw that sometimes you have the opportunity to drive your own narrative and your own message into film. So, it, unfortunately, with the the current Hollywood system, you just have to have major clout to be able to do it. That's one of those things where, like, I'm not even a huge fan of everything's you know Seth Rogen and Evan Seinfeld do, or not Evan Seinfeld, Evan Goldberg, Evan Seinfeld just to do porn. Wrong name. <laughs> Evan, Evan Goldberg. But, but as much as I don't enjoy all their movies, I will support every last one of them because it's at least original IP. Like, there's such a lack yeah. of original IP. You know, for better or for worse, they make original IP. Like, yeah. Oh, the- I love Judd Apatow. How do you not think of Judd Apatow? I really love him. I feel like he, he tries to get the real sense of how it feels, you know, to be an American, be well, whoever he's playing is a pregnant woman, an old virgin, whatever the fuck it is, you know, it's like he really gets into their mind. So I love him. I don't know why, whatever you said, maybe think of Judd Apatow, but it brought it to my mind. Happy to help. Happy to help. <laughs> Back on Spike Lee. My, one of the Spike Lee movies I really like is like one of his least famous ones. Like I'm into 25th hour. 
Oh, okay, yeah. Which is like, wow, yeah. what? You're into the Spike Lee movie with the white lead? No, but <laughs> Ed Norton, besides being a problematic human being, sometimes he's a great actor. I, you know, I actually don't know much of his scandals because I love Edward Norton. I love him. I liked him as the Hulk as well, even though most people weren't happy with that. I love him. I absolutely love him. I was going to watch what the Red Dragon. Him and oh, Red, Hopkins. You know? see, I was going to watch that last night. You've seen it before, was, right? Yeah, but I I passed it up. I, I went to I tried to watch something I haven't seen, but I ended up falling asleep. So I love that movie. <laughs> I love Red Dragon because uh, Ray Fiennes. Oh, yeah. Ray Fiennes is one of my favorite actors. Like he's great. Oh yeah, he is, and he's one of those that's really good. But it's like he doesn't have like the huge name that people always bring up. You know, like, which is crazy because he was good a, people out there. He was a lead in Schindler's fucking list. That's how I feel about like Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson is in so many leads and so many movies. And people are like, who is this guy? They just see his face, but they don't. He's not, you know. And he's in so many impactful things. People say they love The Conjuring. I don't know who Patrick Wilson is. I'm like, so, what the hell? He's the lead in that. Ray Fiennes is also one of the leads in one of my favorite movies. That is a movie that almost nobody knows about. Strange Days. I haven't seen that. Yeah, because it is a, a 1995. Ooh, I have a look. I have a movie book, so I'm going to write that down in my movie book. Well, I, I, you're going to hate me for it because it's super hard to find. I will search for it. Like, it, it's physical media out of print, and mm-hmm. it's not available streaming anywhere. Wow, okay. It is hard to fucking find. It is 1995. It is written by James Cameron, directed by Catherine Ooh. Bigelow. Whoa. Oh, wow. Okay. The plot is it takes place in LA, wow. ni- New Year's Eve, 1999, in kind of a more dystopian LA than like it really ended up being. In a- and Ray Fiennes okay. is a drug dealer of the future. He's a former vice cop who sells oh. these clips that are something called the squid, where it records actual memories and interactions with the. And he sells clips of that to other people as an illegal drug trade. Whoa. Oh, my God. I want to watch that. So I love James Cameron. See, I can't even think of on my own. But and, you said James Cameron. I'm really going to search for it now because he makes really good. He thinks about the storyline through and through. Oh, it, you know, so. it's definitely got some 90s cheese on it. It's Ray Fiennes, Tom Sizemore. Oh, I don't care. And uh, Angela oh, Bassett. Okay. Angela Bassett is a fucking ass beater in the movie like Ray Fiennes I love Angela Bassett part of what's amazing about this movie is Ray Fiennes is not a tough guy at all like he is just a talker he's a like he's a salesman he's a big talker and Angela Bassett okay so he's like a con man yeah he's a con man drug dealer dealer yep and Ray and Angela Bassett is a executive protection like drivers and like in love with him and she's just a complete badass like she does most of the fighting in the movie whoa okay i totally i'm gonna write this in my book i'm gonna find it my dad gives me some obscure movies that are hard to find too so i'll be searching it'll be on my list it's absolutely one of my favorites like it's has some really really great quotable lines in it too like i actually have a line from the movie tattooed on me really yeah i love i love quotes so yeah i gotta find it the quote is paranoia is just reality on a finer scale Ooh, i love that see i'm watching 
the TV show Oz, which oh. obviously was on. You know, that was on. I was a I was a kid. And I wasn't watching that as a child, but I'm watching that because I love Augustus Hill. His yes, oh my god, yes, that is like. And it's ended up being my favorite TV show of all time. My parents would always say that was their favorite TV show. And we didn't know what it was. We'd never watched it. So I was like, Oz, what is that? It's about like Wizard of Oz. Like, no, no, it is a prison show. I was like, oh my God, what? I found it on CBS Prime. They removed it. But a good thing I have HBO. And I am addicted. I'm already on the last season. I mean, I love it. And a lot of big actors got their start there. Yeah, a lot. That's so funny because my parents watched it when it was on, but it's been years now. So they would go back and I'm watching like, oh, my God, he's on here. Oh, my God, she's on here. Because we were all tripping on how Edie Falco, what her career did. She did Oz, Sopranos, then went to Nurse Jackie. And now she's on this Tommy show. It's like she just was success after success after success for TV shows. And that's really hard to find. And uh, I forgot... The, well, you got J.K. Simmons, who plays Challenger, who yes. went, uh, just and fucking, he won an boom. Oscar. He ended, yes, he ended up winning an Oscar from like for, for Whiplash. Crazy yeah. for Whiplash. Yes. Oh yeah, and that movie's amazing. Yeah, I was dating someone who went to a conservatory at the time when I saw it. And she's like, "This is, movie's kind of triggering for me." It's <laughs> <laughs> like I've had that professor. Wow. I've had that fucking professor. That is so funny. Yeah, he was. He deserved that Oscar. Oh yeah. So he was really good in that. But he was great as Schillinger. Like, oh, I love him. Oh my god! And um, fucking God, who's the guy that plays Toby? Tobias Beecher. I can't even yep. think of the guy's real name. But he's, been he's actually t- in a lot of stuff. He's in a ton of stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, Chris uh, Melanini, who like is his lover. Uh, he's the one that he went to S um, SVU yeah, after. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff. Was it great for him? Yeah. And he had that one show that people liked, Happy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he just... had Happy. He had a small cameo in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yes. And he had he had a role in the first season of Pose, which I was not expecting him to be in that at all. And he plays such an asshole. I was like, this is him in Oz. It's like, he's, he's back. Yeah. <laughs> I it, loved it. Uh, and then like half the Oz cast went on to The Wire. Yes, uh, so much of them went to the wire. Yep. And I saw um, there was two or three people from Dexter because the one that's LaGuardia in Dexter, she's the doctor in Oz. And then the guy that's one of the Latino drug dealers ends up being Batista in um, Dexter. Oh, actually, so, going, backwards, going backwards to the name I mentioned earlier, Evan Seinfeld actually was on Oz. He played Hoyt. Yeah, he was, because I shot with him for um, Porn Star Cam House. And he goes, oh, yeah, I was on Oz. And I was like, wait, you were on Oz? I'm like, that's the fucking show my parents told me to watch. Yeah, he plays um, Hoyt. Has Hoyt. Yep, he played Hoyt. Yep. He was also the lead singer of Biohazard, yep. all before porn. Yeah, yeah. He he loves to talk about that when you, when you meet him. And I think it's cool, because he shows that like not everybody just wants to do sex work. That sometimes it's like, you've done so many other things. And you end up in this. Well, you know space. how, like, not to talk out of school about the dude, but you know how he ends up in porn, right? Well, he was, I know he was married to some fucking girl for a yeah. long time. Was he was married to Tara Patrick. Well. Okay, yeah. I See, I'm, I don't really watch porn, so it's bad of me. It's my industry, but I don't watch it. It's okay. So I don't know a lot of people's names. That shit happened, like, when you were a toddler. It was, it was, yeah, no. But he, 
he talked about it. No, he talked about it himself when you meet him. So yeah, it was one of those things. He, said he was married to Tara Patrick, and I was like, I don't even know if I know who that is. <laughs> yeah, she's been retired a long time. She was she is a Hall of Famer. She's still yeah, she's still popular. So well, and it was one of those things where like he actually did his first. I think his first scene, and he had a station with Spider Jones. Oh, I did not know that. And <laughs> I watched the scene. Does he as have a spider tattoo? I'm sure he does. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure he does. But I watched the scene, like, or watched the DVD at the time. Yes. And I was, I had already watched Oz. I was an Oz fan. I'm a metalhead. Like, I knew Biohazard. So you recognized him. And he walks, and like, you know, there's no, it says Spider Jones. It's like in the titles. And then he walks <laughs> on camera. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I, you know, this is. <laughs> that is so funny. This is like the late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s. So, like, you don't fucking go to the internet and start searching this shit. You're like, <laughs> yeah, you can't see what everybody's been in correlated. Yeah, uh, so it's like you weren't expecting to yeah, see like, him in this like industry. Spider, Spider Jones, yeah, Spider Jones. I'm like, what the fuck? Wait, is, that has to be Evan <laughs> Seinfeld. That that has to be. That is so funny to me because I wouldn't even think about like that happening now for us is way different than it back in the day. Because back in the day, like you said, you're not gonna. Like I can go online, I can see what the fuck everybody's doing right now. Well, yeah. But I, if, I, if, if I were to go to a tube site right now and click on your name, it would fucking, you know, I could click on your name it and has see everything I've right, done. And who you worked with and all that stuff. Oh, we yes, lost. Yes, it has everything in there. We lost you. Oh, you're back. I'm back. Yay. I'm back. I, back in the day, it's just like you bought a DVD and it's like, who the fuck? And it, yeah, because it's like now you can find people that do any type of sex work. And if somebody escorts, they're online as well. But with, with DVDs, it was just people that did porn that you would find. Yeah. So it's way different now. Like strippers you can see online doing their shit. You used to have to just go to the strip club. So it's it's a totally different environment now for sex work. Well, stripper marketing is different. Like these days, most girls I know that like are doing club sex work type stuff like that are on their Instagrams, on their Twitters, like, come, mm -hmm. come see me, come see me. Yes, yes, the club I danced at out here, I still talk to the guy, he will market people that do porn as well. He always is posting girls, come see her at this time. And even when I first started dancing, it was 2015, Instagram, I think that's when it really started to take over. So nobody was posting sexy girls on Instagram yet, it was still more photography. Um, so even when I was dancing, it wasn't like that. And I just saw it change so quick. Just insane. Out of nowhere, what cell phones and the internet and social media has really done to every industry. Well, and techno technology, because the idea of taking what could be considered professional-grade photography, which is your fucking phone, there's movies shot on yeah. iPhones. Oh yeah, and a lot of the porn, a lot of the mainstream porn companies will just use an iPhone for some of their scenes. They're, you know, there's no point in pulling out this expensive ass camera if the iPhone's going to give you exactly what you want. And it's crazy to me. <laughs> I love cam. I collect cameras, so I'm a camera person. I want cameras. I can tell when it's a phone, but I don't think the average Joe could. No, I really don't. I also just hate so. pulling media off iPhones because I'm a PC user. So. Ah. Uh, don't even get me started there. I fucking hate. And I always say this, that like once Steve Jobs died, it really went to shit. And it has. You know, I don't know what the fuck Tim Cook is doing with Apple. But um, 
I really wish Steve Jobs was still alive because he cared about the company. I mean, he gave us Pixar. I don't think most people know that he is the only person that was funding Pixar in the beginning. You know, he cares about art. He cares about people. It's not just the money for Steve Jobs. You know, that's why I wish he was still alive. I'm pretty sure he wishes he was still alive too, but. I know it's sad, but he actually did live very long doing natural remedies and fighting cancer. So if anything, if you look at his full life and his full story, you know, he, he was a fighter kind of like Patrick Swayze. I feel like another person gone well before his time. Like, I know I sit there and think, I don't even think he got to his fifties. Didn't he die in his late forties? We have the internet for such things. Yeah, we need the internet for such things because my brain can't remember all of it. It's just sad. He's buried in New Mexico, too. Uh, so, he was 57. 57? Still mad young. God. You don't even get to 60. Uh, still oh, my God. Mad young. My yeah, my grandparents are in their seventies. Like you miss such a large portion of your life. Like we'd have had, we could have Patrick Swayze and so much more. Right, and he could have you started know? doing like distinguished older dude roles. Yes, because he didn't fully get to that point yet. Maybe that's why he felt like he was still in his forties to me. Because you know Hollywood keeps you young, so they kept him still in his like mid age type roles. Yeah, mid age um, like you know, young girls are like I still bone Patrick Swayze. Yeah, he could have been like what Pierce Bronson's doing now, you know? Like, he'll even do a funny comedy as the dad and stuff. Now, uh, have so. you ever seen uh, The Matador? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. It's a comedy. It's a dark comedy starring Pierce Brosnan, oh. where he is okay. a playing a washed-up hitman. It's right after he stopped doing James Bond. Okay, I need to watch that because I love his. I love him in comedy, which is actually I was really happy he did Eurotrip and played Will Ferrell's dad. And I was not expecting that in that movie at all, but it was the perfect thing for him to play. Which movie? It's it's the newest Will Ferrell movie on Netflix. It's only on Netflix. I'll have to take a look. I'm like Eurotrip. I was confused. Yeah, no, it's like that. See, this is why I was confused by it because um, I thought it was going to be the older thing. It came out like with the whole like college trip, college road trip time, all that. Scotty doesn't movies. know. Yeah, but um, it was. Um, it's about um, it's about the European like um, competition that they do. Oh, it's called Eurovision, not Eurotrip. Oh. It's called Eurovision. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Eurovision. That's what it's called. <laughs> That's totally what I was thinking Eurotrip. I'm just like in my movie. That's what I was just right like, now. wait a minute. I, I know Eurotrip very well. Like, I love yes, that movie. Yes, yes, yes. Eurovision. Oh, yeah. No, Will Ferrell's actually really clever. What he did with that movie, it's totally not a style of movie he would have done anyways, but he did it for his kids because um, they're half Icelandic. I guess his wife is from Iceland. And they watch this Eurovision show that's amazingly popular in Europe, but America has never been exposed to it. So he brought it to life. The one time I was exposed I think it's hilarious. The one time I was exposed to Eurovision was a buddy of mine married a Spanish girl and like I was hanging out with them in Ohio. And all her friends are expats. So it's all like me, my buddy who's from Baltimore who lives in Cincinnati now, and Europeans. (laughs) And the person competing was I don't know how they identify, but 
in a dress, like full beard, long hair, singing. I'm like, okay. Oh, so probably like a non-binary. Uh, yeah, I don't know what, like, I don't know how they identify. But it was just like, okay, this is something that you would not see on American Idol. Never. That's, yeah, they're crazy. It's insane how different their competition is to ours for singing. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like it, though, because it's multiple countries. I'm pretty sure Little Big, I don't know if you're familiar with that band, was on Eurovision at one point. No, I don't know. I just, I know ABBA was on Eurovision, and that was the only band I knew that was on Eurovision, because they're Swedish. So they won Eurovision in, like, 79 or something. Nice. Um, but he references it in the movie, too, because ABBA was so popular. But um, that's the only thing I'd ever known for Eurovision was that, that ABBA had won. Little Big, if you get a chance, is a Russian comedy, like, techno band. Oh, okay. That's cool. They're, I don't like that. I mean, it's really weird humor. Like, <laughs> I want to I wanna look it up. I have, have to, though. <laughs> they have a song, like, um, called Big Dick. Like, the chorus is, my dick is big, my dick is very big. My dick is big, <laughs> like, it's very, very big. It, like <laughs> there's so a line there's funny. a line like his dick's so big it'll be our next president like <laughs> that's actually really clever because politicians are fucking assholes so I actually like that I need to look that up I actually um I love foreign music I will always listen to foreign music my friend showed me a really good um Russian rap song I was like obsessed with forever what's it so, called so I can find more I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh. It is all in Russian. It's written in Russian, but I just like the way it sounds. It's so cool. The only things that I like kind of know what they're saying is when I listen to Portuguese and Spanish music um, and some French, but are you fluent? in it. Are you fluent in any other I'm language? Not, I'm not fluent in Spanish. I know quite a bit, but I would not want to be stuck. Only speaking Spanish. I'm not fluent by any means. <laughs> hey, but, you're, um, you're better off than me, and I've been stuck by myself in Spanish-speaking countries, so. Oh, yeah. no. I mean, I could get around. I could order myself food. I could get to the bathroom. I could get to my hotel. I could get the shit I need. You know, I know the basic stuff. I'm probably, like, at elementary school level, so I'm not fluent. Still, I'm learning. Still a lot better than me. I know how to order whiskey, the bathroom, and that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely, people need to learn the bathroom one. That's important. I think that's a very important one we should learn for multiple languages. America is very bad about teaching other languages, though. Oh, 100%. I feel jaded. I feel like we have all this access to knowledge and technology now that we should all know multiple languages. Well, it's because we're kind of xenophobic. Like, I don't, yep. I don't understand. Like, as a kid, yeah, I didn't see the point of speaking Spanish or French. As an adult, Spanish should be mandatory. Yes. I don't really understand French at this point. I understand why we teach French and Spanish. It's like, oh, besides English, those are the other two colonial powers. Yeah, I get, if, it depends on where you are, I think, because, you know, if I don't plan on staying up north, going to Canada a lot, maybe I don't need to know French. You know, if I want to go down to Brazil, I should learn Spanish and Portuguese. Right, well... Because I think maybe it does depend on regions, but it is. It's completely based on who are the colonizers. But you got to look at... It's based on. In the modern world, you have France, Haiti, 
like Algeria, like that's about and Montreal and Canada. And, what, and not yeah, not even all of Canada. Yeah, like Montreal. You know, it's like Quebec. Exactly. Yeah. Are, is where you're gonna use French. Spanish mm-hmm. is everything south of us except for Brazil. Yep. And then everywhere. And it's in Europe too. And Spain. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I've been to Madrid. People don't speak like everyone's like, oh, once you're in Europe, you know, everyone speaks English. No, no, they fucking don't. Yeah, I would never expect that. I never would expect that. I I actually don't want to go to Europe until I'm better in Spanish because I want to be able to get around with Spanish. I got around in Madrid with very broken Spanish and Google Translate. It's all about that's very encouraging. So. <laughs> hell, because uh, I've been to I've been to Madrid, I've been to Havana, I've been to Bogota, Colombia. Wow. So I speak very, very little Spanish, though I speak enough Spanish to at least bullshit my way out of not getting a ticket in Colombia. (laughs) That's actually good because I don't want to get caught up in another country. Well, I was drinking in public and I didn't realize they had open container laws. Oh, I was strange. I would not think of that going to other countries. Well, what happened was my friends had gone back to the States. I, was bumming around in Bogota by myself for a couple days. Mm-hmm. And there was this open air like market on Sunday. So I rolled through there. We had gone there the previous Sunday and I ended up striking up a conversation with this homeless dude. He's like, Hey man, I want to buy you a beer. I'm like, Okay, cool. That's, that's amazing. Wow. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I'm not accepting this beer unless it's sealed. He brings a two cans of beer. Yes. That they're sealed. I'm like, okay, cool. We'll pop a beer. We'll bullshit. And he takes off. <laughs> he takes off at one point. I'm just smoking a cigar in the park, like drinking the beer in the middle of this like open air market. And the cops roll by. They kind of look at me like weird because I'm I'm smoking a cigar and cigars are fucking luxury items in Colombia. Like the luxury oh. items are everywhere. But literally, we found one cigar shop in all of Bogota. Whoa! Only one. Yeah, and it was in like the Beverly Hills of Bogota. And that's their capital. Yep. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's very shocking. So I'm sitting here smoking the cigar, and the, the cops stop. They look at me, and then one of them like points at a ticket book, and they come back and like say something to me in Spanish. I'm like, uh, "Quito español, pardon." <laughs> like, and it's like through the exchange, they're like, they get out. Like, where are you from? I'm like, America. And I'm like, no, no, like. I'm just poured out the beer and they're like, oh, okay. And they walked off. I'm like, I don't know how much that bribe would have been. <laughs> <laughs> That's so lucky though. At least it was just like something minor. Oh yeah. No, I'm not. Your beer because yeah. Oh no, I'm not, very dangerous. I'm not going abroad and fucking around. <laughs> like I wouldn't have been crazy when they travel and they don't think about these things. So, you know, but I'm also the kind of person who travels. And I don't go to resorts. I get, our Airbnb was in the middle of a neighborhood. Like Okay, yeah, I, I I would never resort travel. And I actually had made a comment about that to somebody out here in my city. They went to Jamaica and they said, Wow, other countries are so poor. And I'm like, Y'all went to re- a resort area. And if it took you getting out of America to realize how poor the world is, you're just not a poor American. Like you're just privileged in general. Right. If you're going to a resort, really- you're probably a privileged American. 
Thank you. Um, See, I, I, I wouldn't do that. You want to get the culture too, right. I feel like. like so. You're not trying to figure out their public transportation system. You're not trying to figure out their currency. Like We had a really embarrassing moment because the Colombian peso, they have a 20,000 note and a 2,000 note. Oh, okay. And in the newer bills, it's like 2M and 20M. And but the okay. old notes are still in currency that are two thousand, twenty thousand, and we accidentally like under tipped a server. Oh, see, yeah, and then you're gonna feel bad. And he's like, you "Oh, know. was there a problem? Like, oh, do we not give you enough?" And he like tried to downplay it. He's like, "Oh, no, no, because in Colombia they just auto grat you ten percent at all the restaurants." Oh, so it wasn't like we left the tip and like left. It was like we paid the bill with the gratuity, and we thought we actually over tipped him, and then. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, uh, it's okay. And we're like, was there a problem? And then after the fact, we're like, did he rip us off? Because we don't know what we didn't keep track of which bills we gave him. Like, it was a whole to do, and it was just like, but that's the kind of experience, not sure. right? But that's the kind of experiences you have when you fucking actually go abroad, actually eat out at restaurants, actually like go out into neighborhoods. My favorite experience their culture, right? My favorite way to travel is to get like a hotel or an Airbnb, Airbnb in a neighborhood. And then go into local bars and ask locals what we should check out. That's, that's smart. I love to go to bars when I travel in America just to kind of meet the people out there. So I mean, I do the same thing in America. Do that. I do the same thing in America, too. I mean, I've been to 45 states. and that. Wow. What are the five you haven't been to? I have not been to Vermont, the Dakotas, Wyoming, Alaska. Wow. Okay. The... I've been, I think I have like God, fifteen more states to see, but um, they're all mainly up north. I've, I've done everything in the south. My family's from the south, and my mom's family's from Massachusetts. So I've, I've done a few of the New England states, but it's insane. I'm forty-five. It's crazy. I want to get to that point though one day. Forty-five states, six continents. Still working on it. Six. So you went to all but Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's fascinating. How was Australia? It was fun. Um, my my beef with Australia is it just wasn't foreign enough from the states. Okay, see, when I I just watched a famous scooter BMX guy um, from Australia. I don't know. It's a very random video I found on YouTube. <laughs> um, it, every time I see something in Australia, it seems so Americanized. Or it seems more like the UK. It seems kind of more... Well, it's a, they're more Americanized, too. So It's a former British colony. I've been to London, yes. and that wasn't that different than the States. There were some differences. That's, that's how I feel. Like I, I want to see London, but it's not atop my list. You know, I, My real name is Kenya, so I've always wanted to go see Nairobi. I always want to see the capital of Kenya. That's always been one of my dreams. And then Lake Victoria is the third largest lake in the world, I believe. Um, and that's in Kenya as well. So I'm like, I would go there for the nature aspect of it. Um, but most people would never want to go to Africa I went in to, America because of how the propaganda is for it. I went to Cape Town. I went to South Africa. So awesome. And I'm really happy. Like, it sucks. I'm really happy I went when I did because they don't have potable water at the moment. They're like, they're on such a drought that they don't, they're... I was watching a thing about that. They had they had day zero, or whatever. The yep. day zero was going to be where they had no more water, so they were ha- everybody had to try to like change how mu- how much they're taking showers and everything because um obviously like Trevor Noah who does the Daily Show now he's yeah. from South Africa, so that's kind of been able to at least shine more light on what's actually happening in that country. Yeah, Cape Town's a wild place. I had it's one of those things where I, I had a good time down there. 
I had some great stories from there. I'm not sure I would go back. Just because wow. it, it takes so long to get there. Excellent. For me to get there from L.A., I mean, part of this was I did it this way, but it's L.A. New York, New York to Paris, Paris to fucking Johannesburg, Johannesburg to Cape Town. Gosh. I broke it up. Like, I did, like, 36 hours in New York, bummed around with my friends in New York. Then got to Paris. We were supposed to have, like, 16 hours in Paris. We only ended up with, like, 12. But bummed around Paris for the day. We, like, immediately left the airport, like, our bags are getting pushed through to Africa. Fucking ran to the metro. <laughs> we just got off. Might as well go see Paris. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the point. Like, if I'm going to have a layover, like in a destination like that, I'm not going to do a three-hour layover where I'm stuck in the airport. I want, yeah. I want like, the whole... So we hit the metro. We just got off by Notre Dame and just started hitting cafes and hitting bars. And Whoa, that's awesome. Made it back... Made it back to Charles de Gaulle Airport. This is a point where I had a lot of frequent flyer miles and had status with the airlines. So hit the Sky Lounge, showered up. <laughs> got on oh. got on the flight down to Joburg. Joburg, there was like no only a two hour lay like a two hour layover, which we almost missed our flight because we transferred to some local African airlines and like our tickets didn't say it. It was a whole to do. We got hu- oh, we got hustled in the airport too. It was great. Oh what? So we're walking to the airport. We're kind of we're kind of like lost. We don't know because we're trying to. Find, we don't even know what the name of this airlines that we're transferring to is because we were supposed to be on Air France all the way down. But they're like, nope. Once you're here, it's some local it's carrier. To- some local carrier. And these two dudes got official badges on. They're like, oh, let us help you with their bags. So they help us with our bags all the way in, and then they're like hand out and luckily I had gotten uh, South African Rand before I had entered the country so I gave I tipped mm-hmm. the guy in some Rand my buddy gave him a 20 like a US 20 because they'll happily take dollars down there at, the, at that point it was like 13.5 Rand to the dollar and an average price of a beer was 23 Rand to give you an idea of what the exchange rate was like Wow! and he handed him a fucking 20 Wow. Wow. So that's cr- people don't think about how that currency exchange is going to be, though. It's drastic in some places. Oh, it is. It, it's wild. If you ever go to Cuba, yeah. the Cuba exchange rate is crazy. Yeah, my, um, I don't really talk to my uncle. He's kind of estranged, but he moved to the Philippines because of the exchange rate out there. Like he just is like a rich man. He owns two nightclubs and two apartment buildings. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Hell, when we were in Bogota, the median income for uh, Columbia National in Bogota was like 300 US a month. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I had a friend in middle school. She was from Bacucamarenga, Colombia. And she just always would talk about like the poverty. And because you know, people in America always want to complain about poverty. They don't appreciate really what we have. Um, and she was just, you know, her stories of it is just, it's insane. I don't think a lot of people would understand what it's really like in the slums of other countries. Oh, yeah. We Our d- slums are one thing. Theirs are just a completely different level. They're, yeah, tin roofs and, yeah, not even real structures. It was, it was yeah, there yeah. were definitely parts of the Bogota that were bad. There were definitely parts of Bogota where, like, we knew how much... We stuck out like sore thumbs. I went with two friends initially, 
And the rule mm-hmm. of thumb was only one person would have their phone out at a time. That's smart. Because the other two had to keep lookout. Because my first night in country, I actually, my drunk ass getting off a plane, all, I'm pretty sure I almost <laughs> got myself rolled my first night in the country. I land in Bogota. I'm by myself. My other two friends are already at the Airbnb. And oh, I see this dude with a badge. He's like, yo, man, you need a car? I'm like, uh, in the cab line over there. He's like, oh, we're like Uber. And he's wearing an official badge. I'm like, all right, cool. We'll do this. Because I knew, I, knew <laughs> I knew Uber was in Bogota at the time. Mm-hmm. And we get in the car. And there's him and another dude in the car. I'm like, this ain't right. This ain't right. Shit. And so what I did was I rolled down the, the – I get behind the driver. Like that, that's what you do if you think you're in a hostile car. You get behind the driver because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. harder for – you can engage the driver and if it makes it harder for shit to go down. Yeah, because that, that's more dangerous for everybody in the situation. Right. Like you pull a gun on me. I grab the driver. What do we do now, guys? Gonna, everybody's going down. <laughs> but I, I rolled down my window all the way. I made sure that I could open my door. Like – and I'm just watching on Google Maps, making sure that we're going like to my destination. Right away. <laughs> I'm like, if these dudes like make a fucking weird turn, I am going to bail out of this car. I'm just going to say, fuck my suitcase and be out. That's the safest thing to do. And I also made sure like I had all my current, like I'd gotten currency before I got in country. So I had a bunch of currency on me. Okay. Um, that's safe. No, it's not. Not good. <laughs> No, I'm just saying that, like, you at least you would have money on. You don't want to be stranded without anything. Right, right. Know. But I also was afraid of getting jacked for that currency. Robbed. Right. Yes, so I pulled out, like, because we negotiated a flat rate before I got to the hotel. So I made sure to, like, pull out enough with a tip, like, out of my mm-hmm. out of the wad. So I wasn't flashing this wad in front of this dude. Yeah. Because while we were waiting for him to pick me up, I pulled out my phone to get the you know, where we were staying. And he's like, oh, that's an iPhone 8. Like, he clocked it with the case on. He was waiting to see what you had. Yeah, he's like, that's an, yep. I, that's an iPhone 8. That's worth $900. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, cool. And he knows the amount. Yep. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, I mean, thankfully, I got to my destination unscathed. I tipped the guy. Like, I don't know if I was in an illegal cab or not. <laughs> they're finessing all the uber drivers and taxi drivers out there <laughs> well the, the crazy part about uber in Colombia at the time the ministry of Te- transportation said they were illegal the ministry of technology said they were legal so uber was operating in this weird semi-legal state none of the ubers had placards or markings and if you were rolling alone the driver pretty much made you sit in the front seat because cab drivers were known to attack ubers Whoa, so it was intense. Yeah, so it was a whole thing. So you need, if it was just one of you, you'd have to sit in the front seat so it looked like you were just a dude rolling with him. Whoa. That's crazy. That's how people feel, I guess, in New York City, though, too. The taxi drivers feel jaded, too. So yeah, it was, it was it's crazy. not shocking that it would be in other cities as well. And the, the one cab we did take tried to rip us off. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like, my my one buddy, my one buddy who's there does speak fluent Spanish, mm-hmm. and he's in. You know, he, we're in the cab, but he has a shit sense of direction. So we left the bar, <laughs> we hailed his cab. We told him where he was going, and the guy rolled us like four blocks past. I'm like, yo, we should have turned that way. I have a pretty good sense of direction, 
and we're just discussing in English. All of a sudden, the dude like makes the turns. So I'm like, oh, he speaks English. Got it. He was doing that shit on yeah, oh, yeah. on purpose. But it was just funny. Like the he minute wanted more money out of it. Fucked up. Oh yeah, he just saw three gringos in Colombia and like, yeah, money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I loved about Colombia the most was every Uber driver I dealt with, a lot of people I dealt with were like, we are so happy to see Americans down here because if we see Americans mm-hmm. down here as tourists, that means we've improved on the world stage and people don't think it's dangerous to come down here. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm happy. It's heartening and nice. Oh, it was awesome. And my Airbnb host was amazing. Like the hot water went out at the Airbnb at one point. Like he just let me roll through to his apartment and like take a shower there. Wow. You're not going to get that in America. Fuck no. They'd be like, sorry, bad luck. (laughs) I'll send somebody. That's literally the best you're going to get. Yeah. Our Airbnb host, like the hot water just went out. He's like, yeah, until they fix it. Like, if you want to stay here, like, we'll, we'll give you the spare room in, like, our apartment. Like, he had roommates and stuff. Instead of staying at Whoa. the Airbnb, I'm like, no, 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 man. It's cool. I don't want to impose. Like, I really appreciate that a lot of you for letting me take a shower here. That is so nice. I've always wanted to go to Colombia, though. That's always been one of my um, countries I wanted to go to, so. I want to go back. Like, honestly, I was, I was a little skeptical on that trip. Like, I was just kind of like, all right, Columbia. Like, sure. Why don't we'll do Columbia? Because I was traveling with over. <laughs> well, I was traveling with the, like the same crew, like to a bunch of places. Like, we went to Japan together. We went to Cuba together. We went to Amsterdam and Munich together, and then we went to Columbia. Oh, wow, you went to Munich, Germany. Wow, for Oktoberfest, even. Whoa. Okay. Cool. Amazing. Wow. So it was like, oh yeah, I guess we'll go to Columbia. Like. We had done Havana the year before, so it was just kind of like, well, we just did like another Spanish colony. Like, do you think? Eh, but yeah, we went to Colombia. Like, it was a surprisingly good time. The people seem so nice and happy out there, though. Every time I see stuff about their culture and the girl that I knew um, in middle school, she was so nice, and her parents were so nice, her family, everything. So yeah, no, everyone was super cool. Like, we just very much. Realized that, hey, we're three gringos in Colombia. We just need to watch our asses. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something that I worry about if I travel overseas is coming off as an American. That's why I want to be fluent in Spanish. I want to be able to well, play off maybe not being American. <laughs> what I have found in my personal experience in Europe, pretty much anywhere, is like no one is uncool with Americans that leave America. It's the Americans that don't leave America that are the problem. They, so they don't like the closed minded Americans. Right. Like, you know, makes you know, sense. When we were in uh, um, Amsterdam in, what was that, 2017? It was like, yeah, man, we're Americans. Sorry. Sorry about Trump. Like, sorry. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 man. You're, you're cool. You're here. Like, it's the Americans that don't leave America that are the problem. The ones that are super American, right. patriotic. Well, it really opened my eyes because when I went to Tokyo, like, was the first place I ever went to outside of the country. Ooh, Tokyo is so wildly different than the right. States. But we're all taught like America number one all the way through. Like the, we're just the propaganda of America number one is shoved into our brain. Yes. And, and when you get to Japan, their subway system is infinitely more efficient than ours. I'm not a feeling you're going to talk about their transportation. It's so nice. Well, it's nice. Amazing. And efficient. Like we decades ahead of us. Oh yeah. So 
there's something called the Narita Express. If you fly into Narita, which is like way outside of Tokyo proper, is one of the mm-hmm. two Tokyo. <clears throat> they have an uh, express train that goes from Narita Airport to basically into the city center Tokyo. And we get there, and it's like the 1204 train. And like, there's a train mm-hmm. already waiting at the station when we got there, like five minutes. So like, well, this can't be our train. It's the 1204. And like, at 12 o'clock, doors opened. At 1204, we were pulling out of there. We're like, they're on time. Holy shit. Wow, they're efficient. Right, they're efficient. And they as have out. the speed trains too and stuff. So, I sadly haven't been on a bullet train. I haven't been out of Tokyo. There's so much going on in Tokyo. Oh. It's like, uh, I'll make it out of here eventually. That's and, the biggest city in the world. Right. Ima- see so much. Imagine Manhattan density with LA sprawl. Yeah, I, okay, so that's the best way of putting it because, you know, I've been up and down LA and New York, um, and I know that people love LA because it's spread out. I get that. But, you know, there's something nice about that skyline of Manhattan, but it's really only Manhattan. All the other boroughs don't have those huge skylines. Right. So just to try to fathom those two cities <laughs> as a baby, it's unimaginable to me. And then combine it with a culture that is super polite. Even and more open than we are. To some things. Some things they're very close-minded to. Yeah, I mean, they, they do have their conservatism, but they're, I just mean like the interaction. It's like America is kind of closed off when you go out into the community. So Yeah, no, everyone, sad. everyone's super friendly. Even when Japanese people are being kind of racist, like they're very polite about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're like Southern hospitality racism. No, no, it's even nicer than that. I mean, it's really because <laughs> um, even better. Visible tattoos still have criminal connotation there. It's like essentially wearing gang okay, colors. Yeah. I went with my tattoo yeah. artist on the first trip. He has facial tattoos and neck tattoos. I didn't cover up. We got refused service in a bunch of places, but they were so polite about us re- refusing us service that we felt like it was mm-hmm. our fault when we left. Like I shouldn't have tattoos. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it wasn't even so, like that. We rolled into a spot like in the middle of the day in Shibuya that had advertised English menus. That's part of the reason we rolled into the place. And we roll in, mm-hmm. and they're like, "So sorry, we're closed. So sorry, we're closed. So and like just so sincerely, <laughs> we're like, "Oh, our, our bad. We'll go somewhere else." And then we get out to the street. Like, wait a minute, there are people in there eating. It's the middle of the day. They were definitely open. <laughs> you're like but they were so nice it's okay yeah it's like and the thing about tokyo is unless you have your place your heart really set on a place you go five feet and there's another spot i can't even imagine all the stuff out there it's just crazy seeing the photos and videos of it it's my happy place my audience is probably like tokyo again matt really As long as you found your happy place, it's very hard to find, you know, and I've always moved so much. I kind of feel like I get more comfortable moving and I don't know if I found that one place that just like fully clicks. Well, Um, it's also one of those things I'm not sure it fully clicks as a place to actually live. You know, I have a grand mm -hmm. total of like 20 days there over two trips. I love it. I absolutely fucking love it. Love every second. But I don't know if actually living there would be what I'd want to do just because there are some cultural things that I love, but I also don't know. I would love if I wasn't just there visiting, like they are the ultimate work hard, play hard culture. Like five o'clock every night, you go to almost any pub in one of the busy districts and it's just 
people in business cat you know business attire getting trashed. You get on the train in the morning, just drunk businessmen passed out on the train. Wow, what the fuck? But see, that's the type of stuff you're not going to know unless you unless you go out there. But you also crazy. You know, violent crime is just not a thing there. Like I passed out. My audience has heard this story a bunch of times, but I literally passed out drunk inside a planter at a train station. Was completely nothing fine. Nothing happened. Nothing. I don't even like to stand outside alone after it's dark. I actually, um, I saw the ball drop in um, New York City for the opening of 2020 before our pandemic. And I was alone the whole time. Everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, I did it all alone, 14 hours out there alone. I had a friend that was there as well. We met up after the ball dropped and I was just walking, you know, we're trying to meet up on a street corner. When I come back home and I told my friends out here that they thought I was insane. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like I can go and do things alone and shouldn't have to be scared about it. But I do think it's that the American mentality you get so scared to be out and doing stuff alone because so many things have happened to people. It just it really gets you paranoid. Yeah, plenty of things happen. Plenty of things bad bad happen in the states. But all you have to think about is like, hey, this is a major metropolitan area that people live in. Like people live here. If this is yep. not this is not, you know, bombed out Syria in the middle of a civil war. People live, work, and thrive here. Yeah. There yep. are there are some bad neighborhoods. There are some like, just don't look like a victim is really That's yes. You can't you can't go around looking scared because you know, like I always said, I never grew up with money. I grew up in the very poor, bad side of DC as a kid, so for us, it was always, you know, we knew how to operate Are, in the bad areas of town. Were you in D.C. proper? Were you in D.C. proper or were you in PG County? I was in Prince George County. I was, I was, we were a mile away, so we were in Landover. We were right there. I, but, I did um, some time in Bowie at one point, so. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, that's all. Same area. Yeah, it's... Um, it's definitely different. You know, you come out here and some of the suburban Southwest kids don't understand how to act in a city. They get too scared. But like you said, you really can't. You cannot look like a victim. Somebody's going to want to take you right. if you look easy to take and want to mess with you if you give up that vibe. So, <laughs> Well, yeah. And like places like Columbia, I didn't like normally in non-COVID era, I'm usually rocking like a handful, <clears throat> a handful of rings. I'm losing my voice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> losing my voice apparently but like usually a handful <laughs> of rings I didn't bring my rings down to Columbia like my phone didn't come, my phone didn't come out unless I was in a place I felt secure to bring it out that's smart you know type of things you should think of right I look over my shoulder like no flash otherwise like I'm a bearded yeah I'm a big bearded white dude but like I'm in jeans and like a bummy t-shirt like I don't have any designer clothes on I think I was wearing Chuck Taylors the whole time like <laughs> yeah you gotta look normal you know that's another big thing uh i think americans will go and try to stunt on other places like you said they're designer clothes you know you weren't pulling your phone out but some people just want to look flashy so that's gonna make you an automatic target when you're traveling you have to think of that i yeah. mean you're a target in america when you do that exactly if you're in the wrong neighborhood <laughs> you're just you're a target and hell the one place i've ever had anything wrong was south africa 
And part of that is because my stupid ass was wearing black leather cowboy boots. <laughs> like, I got pickpocketed while I was out one night. And I know exactly who did it. That's even crazier to like be able to... You can go back and remember when you when it happened. You're well, like, oh. I was, I was like my buddy. Like I was down there with a friend. He had called it a night. So I'm just drinking with some locals on an outdoor patio, like in their central business district. And this oh. this dude rolls up to me. And like, hey, man, nice boots. And he starts like tugging on my pant, like to pull up my pant, like to look at the boots. Mm-hmm. And the the panhandlers down there are mad aggressive. So I just thought this guy was a panhandler. I'm like, no, man, I got nothing for you. Get out of here. And security yeah. shoots him off. And then the locals are like, you got to watch out, man. They'll steal your phone. I'm like, thanks for saying something while he's here. So, thankfully, my phone was in the breast pocket of my jacket that I had just put on some girl I had just met. Mm-hmm. So, he didn't get my phone, but I had a mobile Wi-Fi hotspot because this was before I could get an international plan. So, he stole my internet. Oh, my God. That's bad. But he didn't get my wallet. He didn't get my passport. Mm-hmm. My phone was actually in my fucking jacket pocket so i was fine so he didn't he didn't take your information which is the most important thing a wallet to me is the biggest thing i had somebody steal a fucking wallet for me at a party out here in the city and it was 12 fucking people at that party and i knew all the 12 people i thought it would be safe to take my fucking bag in and i will never take my bag into a party anymore after that i'm like i can't even trust people in here out here that i thought i knew Uh, honestly i was more worried about my fucking passport than anything else because the u.s consulate's in trapped my the u.s consulate's in johannesburg it's not in cape town oh my god yeah you would have been trapped yeah i would have been like uh oh what's bad but my passport was how far is cape town from johannesburg two-hour flight oh god oh my gosh yeah no (laughs) that's bad and unlike yeah and unlike our flight back from the Back to the States, we were flying directly from Cape Town to Amsterdam instead of Joburg to Paris. So it's not oh, like, okay. you know, if we were flying Joburg to Paris, I could got it on the local flight and then dealt with it in Joburg. But yeah, thankfully that didn't happen. He got my mobile Wi-Fi. I went to a local store, bought a new Wi-Fi he, for 30 yep, bucks. He took the best thing he could then for yeah. you because it's a clean getaway. Yeah, it was a great story, but I know exactly who did it. Like I almost chased after him and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's probably a really stupid plan. That's probably a really, <laughs> really stupid plan. You are 100% right. I'm going to sit here and keep drinking. Yep. <laughs> but that's the only place, and that's the only time, like, travel. that was the only place, like, the only time I've gotten, you know, and that's because I was wearing stupid fucking flash. Had any issues? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. You always got to gotta look normal and bum it out. Exactly. And don't worry, you you're going to kill it in the industry and, you know, get that money. Maybe I'll get hired by legal, legal porno and go to Czech Republic and all that shit on their dime. Oh, I would love to go to Europe. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would love to go to Europe. I, I Europe likes me more. They appreciate me more for some reason. Well, so. Then they're going to hire you out. You'll go. But <laughs> Naughty is actually get my passport and go. Hell yeah! But Naughty is actually about that time. We were actually gone long. I could talk to you for hours. Yeah. We will definitely do this again. I know. But, thank you. I had a, I had a great conversation. Hell yeah! But before you run, where can they find you on all the things, the socials? Like, yeah. You know. 
You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Naughty Nala, which is N-A-U-D-I-N-A-L-A. Um, I'm on OnlyFans, ManyVids, Xvideos, Pornhub, all with the same name. So go search for me. Search for her. She's awesome. Hopefully we'll Thank see you. that ma- mainstream film in the near future. Yes. But, People but, can help me if they see this and they want to help. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But in the meantime, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook. You can find the Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter and Now We Drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. Woo! <laughs>